Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. I'm Omnibus edition? No, I'm not doing editions anymore. Oh, I see. We're not doing editions anymore. It's just plain old Brother Date now. But don't worry, everybody. It's got all of the things from the two, the kingdom of the two Brother Dates that previously existed. Now it's just one Brother Date. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Yeah, Mailbag, Star Trek. We We got all that stuff. We sure are. Uh, uh, we were talking offline about cacahuates. Yeah, or money. And um, and so I learned something tonight. I didn't know that's what that's what you called peanuts in uh, the kingdom of the two Spains. So <laughs> now now I'm aware of that. Anybody else learn anything today? Send <clears throat> us a tweet or a mastodon toot. And let yeah, us what know. did you learn today? Toot us on Mastodon and tell us how today you learned how to do Mastodon. Yeah, I still haven't really learned how to do it. Uh, but you're there. I've got on and I followed, but it took, actually took quite a long time, longer than I thought it would, to figure all of that out. Well, I mean, I'm sure part of it was also waiting to get approved. Uh, yeah, I did have to. I did have to have that happen. But I, the whole the whole concept is confusing. Um, yes. For Mastodon, I signed up for a Mastodon account, and that didn't get me anywhere. <laughs> I was like, well, so now what do I do? And it's like, nothing. account on an actual server. <laughs> some, guy, some guy's face popped up on the screen and he went, nothing. <laughs> and then I had to fucking search around trying to figure out what to do. I, yeah, I had to get into the actual server, the instance, or whatever. Yes, all of the decentralization and federation that happens in Macedon is not necessary to build just a Twitter clone. Yeah. But it is... It does allow you to build a Twitter clone where you can control what happens on your server and also you can cut off access to, you know, whatever Nazi server pops up. Sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, I I, I, so I'm going to have to sign up for every server that has an interest that I like or what? How does this thing work? No, you can uh, you can interact with people on different servers as long as the two servers are, are federated together. All right. All right. Well, let's get into this later, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna do a special. Uh, we'll do like a an hour tutorial for Mastodon. That's coming. We'll look for your invite for that. Um, uh, and we'll all go yeah. through it together. But we're on ten forward dot social. We're at brother date at ten forward dot social. Um, you know, this is the one you want to be at because uh, Yurik is here. That's right, and that's the Doing seal of approval. What stools have been reused in uh, <laughs> Menage a Troy, etc. <laughs> He's, um, I can't, I mean, also I, one random episode of Deep Space Nine he did for some reason. I can, I can totally believe that he isn't out of season three yet in TNG, but it is still crazy to think about. Find the only guy going through these slower than we are. I know, he's doing years and years on these, on just a couple of seasons. Um, he's fucking nailed it, dude. I never in a million years would have been like, wait a minute. 
that stool in relics? <laughs> That's the same stool from Menage a Troy. <laughs> you can't fool me, Rick Berman. Unless it's a distracting item on Riker's desk. Yeah. Or, you know, if Picard's meditation crystal ever shows up somewhere else, I'll notice that too, but... Sure, yeah, there are certain that, objects that we have taken a personal interest in. That you know, we something that see. was introduced without explanation, but now I've seen him use it four or five times, like either the directors or Patrick Stewart thinks that's a nice bit of business for him to do, is to hold a crystal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this, uh, so that does have the Yurk seal of approval, but uh, what, what's the deal with the, what's it called, Blue Sky or something? Or am I just thinking of the Chinese food restaurant? What's the I mean, other Twitter clone? Uh, there's a bunch of other Twitter clones. Blue Sky is one. Was that the one started by the? That's uh, the Twitter guy, the guy right? From Twitter. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was thinking of that one. Is that you check that out? Is that anything? I ain't been on that one yet. I think you might still need an invite for that one. I don't. I don't know how that works. Uh, but anyway, uh, no one, no one that I know feels good about the direction Twitter's been going, or <laughs> the likelihood that all of its features will remain available. So, what know. about one guy you know? Our most likely contributor to the mailbag. Well, you know, he may it may be addressed in this week's <laughs> mailbag. All right. I mean, we can get into it if you want. It's I'm hoping to get to Look, four hours wanna, on this pod, but I just want to say about this. I know that we've called him a company man, and <laughs> we beat him up a little bit about it. Yeah, he does work for a guy who, for sure, would fire him if. He oh said yeah, if he ever him. found out. That's why for a yeah, while yeah, I was yeah, using yeah. Lone Scum. I was saying Lone Scum yeah, just yeah, to yeah. protect our 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 good buddy Ryan. But um, I guess maybe I can, I can go back to that. I can go back to using the euphemism. Um. Well, I'm, anyway, I'm just I, I'm waiting to see which one is actually going to become the next Twitter, so I can really just go there. And I don't know whether that's Mastodon yet. Yeah, there's like no penalty for uh, for picking the wrong one, right? You could just switch again when the other one becomes real. Well, but... you say that, but I did spend three weeks trying to figure out how <laughs> Mastodon works. So, uh, but surely that's the hardest one. There's a right? little bit of a time penalty. In that case. like I feel like Mastodon was an existing product. Yeah, that people jumped on that's not vulnerable to certain very specific things that Twitter has recently been exposed as quite vulnerable to. Sure. Um, but I don't think anyone else who's spinning up a Twitter clone in the wake of all of Lone Scum's activities mm. and interests is going to spin one up that's this hard to get started with. That's okay. not generally a feature that people who are trying to make a product embrace yeah i mean here's the thing i never even wanted to sign up for one social media so i definitely don't want to sign up for a bunch and then wait for one to sort itself out but i may not have a choice i signed up for twitter because it was good for news it did used to be real good for news you convinced me the day michael jackson died because you you because i knew about it like you had it before tv had it or whatever this was 2009 everybody this was the old fucking days I knew about it, like, while they were wheeling him into the ambulance still. Yeah, you were like, fucking Jacko beefed it, and I was like... Like, the internet's saying Jacko's dead. I was like, how do you know that? And you're like, there's this thing called Twitter, and I was like, I heard of that, I'm on it now. And that's why I got on the Twitter, but... Twitter was the only social media service that I got on pretty quick. Yeah. Like, I was still on Twitter when every time someone you followed tweeted, it fucking sent you a text message. (sighs) That yeah. sounds like that. I would hate. I would never. I would have immediately canceled the, my fucking account. Well, that's what it was in fucking two thousand five when it, it started. Horrible. Um, but every other social media service I've been way late to. Yeah. Like I graduated college 
before Facebook was open. Yeah, and it was and at first it was a college email address. Yeah, for a while. it was all college everything. Right. I got an invite from Marjan, who got an invite from somebody, because it was big yes. at MIT. Uh, I got into Gmail pretty quick when it was still invite only, but I yeah. was not one of the first. You know, I still wasn't really an early adopter. But yeah. all of the other social medias, I was, I've was i been very late to the game, and uh, the last few I just haven't engaged with at all. No, no, no. I don't sign up for any, and I, the ones I am signed up for, I don't use. I, I haven't yeah. posted anything on Instagram in uh, nine years, ten years, something like I that. I don't do Snapchat. I ain't do TikTok. I'm sure there's 50 others I, I, I don't even know about. Yeah. That's why it was so depressing when all the Twitter stuff happened, because it was the only one I engaged with on any level. Yep. So... Typical. The other ones are definitely not owned by evil organizations. Only the one I like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, four hours. Let's had... hit four today. <laughs> you want to get into the mailbag, or would you like to still be uh, podcasting when the sun comes up? <laughs> well, eventually it'll it'll turn around and be like, well, now it's not even worth going to bed. Like, I might as well just stay up. So. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, if we drop off of here and you just immediately start playing Civ 2 or something, then you yeah. definitely will see the sunrise. Yeah, like the old days, except I gotta work in the morning. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, let's fucking do it. All right. Mailbag by Brother Date. All the way back on May 3rd, Ryan wrote in, at Brother Date, I'm so excited to listen to the latest episode and find out if Inner Light get any points for characterization. So well, that didn't conclusively get proves that his comment about pathfinding was about uh, next phase. But uh, yeah, I had suspected that while we were t- chatting it out. No, it didn't, and it couldn't. Like, yeah, it got. I mean, it got five total, which is pretty strong for an episode where Picard is in <laughs> lives a, a second video life. Game. Yeah, lives <laughs> a life as a as a video game, and we could kind of be like, ah, I guess this is what he might be like as a parent. You know, there if was... he was married to this woman. There's and, uh, just enough bridge business that you could at yeah. least throw a couple of the other characters in. The insane bridge business that all supposed to take place in like 10 minutes and Riker's already just fucking way at the end of his fucking rope by the time that thing's over. Which is interesting because I think if you just like listed episodes of uh, Star Trek that we knew pretty well and just said, okay, is this going to be a premise execution world building or characterization episode? Hmm. And you were just running a list and you weren't really, you didn't have a lot of time to think about every one. When you hit Inner Light, you probably would say characterization, I think. I guess so. Just because it's like, it's a big Picard episode where he has a lot of emotions. Yeah. But he is, again, he is playing The Sims or whatever. Yeah. So. And his guy, his character definitely had to go to the bathroom. They should bad. do a follow-up where he's playing like Crusader Kings instead. Wouldn't you like to see Picard as the king of a medieval kingdom? I would. I Making en- a bunch of decisions. Enjoyed him in Excalibur, and I enjoyed him um, uh, in that play that he did on the holodeck where he watched himself act. Yeah. So why not? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go too deep because uh, I ain't never played more than about ten rounds of any Crusader Kings game because I always think, I'm going to enjoy this. And then it's just, there's just like hard. so much business on every turn. I'm like, nah, I can't. They make anymore. it so hard. I tried again. I, I bounced off Crusader Kings 3 again. I tried it, I don't know, a few months ago. And it was like, it's so hard to make gold. Yeah. it's Actually, you know what? You remember? This was the problem with the Defender of the Crown port on the nes or whatever oh you just run out of money you just can't get any fucking money hire archers and yeah yeah. 
I like you that. could go you could go do run some Robin Hood raids or something to get a little <laughs> money, but like it wasn't good. It was like even though the with the uh, two steps forward, one step back technique, you were invincible. Yes. No, I mean that's the only way you could play. You just raid, 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 raid. But like um uh, in Crusader Kings, like I, I'm, I'm always like three turns in, and I'm out of gold, and I'm like, well, okay, so I'm gonna get more gold soon, right? And the game's just like, nah, man, that's it. You used it. <laughs> I didn't play it in no so more. long. The, that game was Normans versus Saxons, right? Yeah. Not not Saxons versus Bretons or anything like that. No, I think yeah, I think it was uh, I think it was Normans and Saxons. And they should do a prequel. Where yeah. You have to play as Bretons and hold off the. I know it wasn't a full military conquest, but still. That would be fun. Maybe you could even get some Danes fucking around in oh, there. Oh, yeah. Um, that'd be pretty good. The whole Crusader Kings franchise. Just I mean, Crusader Kings, Saxons versus Danes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway. So I, I gave up. I, I, I can't play Crusader Kings, it turns out. I always, like you, I'm like, that is going to be good. And I just, you know, the problem is me, and I'll just. <laughs> Try again. Like, oh, hell yeah. Deep. It's going to be a deep simulation. Yeah, I'm going to be into this. I'm mm-hmm. going to love uh, assigning people to all these plots. That, nope. <laughs> as soon as it fucking starts, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. no. I can't do it. Oh, uh, there's 200 buttons on the screen, man. What am I? It said I have to hire a court physician, but like, I don't I can't afford any of them. And uh, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Because <laughs> if I can't have a court physician, then I don't want to fucking be here. Hey, hey uh, this thing got chieftain mode, like in Civilization. <laughs> right. I kind of need to play on chieftain for like a long time. I, I at least out. need to do one playthrough on chieftain to figure this shit out. Yeah. On Settler or whatever is even below chieftain. <laughs> I think it's Settler. It's Settler? I think it's Settler. I fuck, I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> on the fourth, uh, you wrote at Brother Day. Well, you retweeted uh, Wet Armadillo mm. at Boss Sauce. Sure. Uh, who tweeted, gas station cashier said, okay, Dick Tracy, when I use my Apple Watch to pay for my biscuit, and I don't think I can ever wear this thing again. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> being sassed by the gas station cashier for your um, fancy technology. I mean, on the one hand, I would say to this person, don't worry about what someone who thinks Dick Tracy is. A <laughs> well, that's the good, other thing. Is a strong pull. How old do you have to watch. be to know what Dick Tracy is? You think? I mean, I think we just know that that Dick Tracy movie that came out. Uh-huh. That, uh huh. That had you looked know, bad. Like, you know, like Burger King tie-ins or whatever. Yes. Like you could get a dumb Dick Tracy or whatever. That was. We were young. I was too young for that. I mean, I definitely so didn't you... care about it when I was a kid. To have exposure to what I think is probably the latest incarnation of Dick Tracy, you have to probably be around 50. (laughs) So that's the other thing I was thinking during that. That cashier busted out what he thought was a super good burn, Uh but that is a very old burn. Yeah, Dick Tracy, not really really a reference in in public coin, huh? Yeah, but I also get it, because if someone sassed me about my Apple Watch, I probably would also internalize it a little bit too much. I'd be like, oh, I don't, I, I can't have another interaction like that. It's bad. It makes me think about my life and how bad it is. And then I got to watch the K-pop videos. So everyone already says I watch too many of them. So I shouldn't wear this watch anymore. Uh, you also retweeted a uh, J. Michael Straczynski thread. Yeah. That is a, uh, 
He's the creator of Babylon Five for. Um, yeah, we don't really have to go most through the, people. the the whole thread. Yes, this is the creator of Babylon Five, and there's an animated movie coming out. And he's excited about it. And according to this thread, Bruce Boxleitner got so excited watching it that he fucking spaced out. Which also says to me, he didn't watch it before he went in to record the no, commentary. He, he did not. He went in to record his all his lines in what I'm guessing was one afternoon. Yeah. It's maybe an animated did, movie. Maybe they did, he did one pickup because something didn't work in editing, right? Mm-hmm. And then he sat, sat down to record the audio commentary for it with Straczynski. Yep. And uh, he literally he says that he leans in and goes, "How is it really?" Because he ain't seen <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> well, I mean that this is the thing, right? He didn't act in it. The, no. uh, you know, he, his voice acting. There were no dailies. He wouldn't have seen it until it was ready. But like, mm-hmm. I'm sure that they fucking sent him a link. Like, sure, yeah, check it hey, out. If you want to, uh, we're getting ready to do the commentary. You can see it. You know, even maybe even not all the animation was fully in there. Maybe there was some animatic stuff or whatever. But like, apparently not. Mm. Yeah, um, no. So yeah, but he's uh, according to J. Michael Straczynski, he's just totally fucking stoked about this thing. And I just thought to myself, this is always this has always been true about about Box. He <laughs> loves Babylon Five. He loved being John Sheridan so much. He was all in. He's in all of the terrible TV movies that came out, most of which I haven't even seen because they looked so bad. And I'm uh, I'm a super fan. And he's just like, he, he cannot leave this project no matter how many years go by. It's fucking 2023, and he's doing an animated B5 movie, and he's watching it with J. Michael Straczynski, and he's just so pumped about how fucking great it is to be John Sheridan again. And that's just always what I've thought. No one is more all in on Babylon 5 than Bruce Boxleitner. By the way, fully two-thirds of the Babylon 5 regulars are dead. I know, they're like all so fucking like, dead. Are those characters not in this? Are they using sound-alikes? I, uh, I read a, an article about it, and they are using voice actors for the, the, the obviously the dead folks, but they're all in this fucking thing. I mean, fine. But, um, like, it's not Patricia like Tallman's in is it. such a fucking nuanced performance that they... The, that he was the only guy who could do it exactly yeah there's like patricia tallman is in it though like uh, claudia christian's in it obviously box lightner's in it i think uh jurisics in it so like it's jakar it's gonna it, yes. it's gonna succeed or fail based on how well jakar comes yeah. through right and also how old box lightner sounds i guess <laughs> he looks like our dad so it's you know <laughs> I mean, it's gotten shows, pretty old. Shows thirty years old. He wasn't a young man when it started. So. No, no, he's got to be seventies. He's he's yeah. got to be an old, dude. So, I'm not surprised that he enjoyed playing it. Like, um, you, I don't know if you could do a big TV show today that had a character like, and I realize Sheridan's only in four seasons. Yeah, but that had a main character that has as few flaws. Mm-hmm. He's a paragon al- who almost exclusively gets it right. Yep. Yeah, he's um he's um um he's, morally he's perfect, I think, is yeah, what we're supposed almost, to believe. I think pretty much. They missed the writing on that a little bit, especially in season uh a little bit in season 4 and some in season 5. The way he treats Lita is um Oh, it's not confusing. Yeah, that's not great. For sure. <laughs> you can only use the internal logic of the show to go, uh he just hates telepaths. I don't know. I can't figure it out otherwise. He doesn't trust telepaths, he hates telepaths. Um but, uh, yeah, otherwise, he's like, the, I mean, he literally shouts at the bad guys to get the hell out of the galaxy. And they go, oh, oh. shit. And the one guy goes, will you will come, you with, come us? with us? <laughs> Lorian's like, you're embarrassing yourself. Just fucking go. 
Um, yeah, no, I look, I, I'm sure it's a fun role. You just get to cowboy it up in space or whatever. But um, but he's just like clearly never been able to let it go. Just wants to be fucking Sheridan one more time. Well, I hope it works out for him. And um, I don't know. I guess if that comes to Max, HBO Max, <laughs> um, yep. maybe I'll watch it. But like, I, I know there are a bunch of movies out there that I have never seen because they just kept making them. They just kept oh, Babylon making 5 Babylon movies. 5 movies, and every time they looked so embarrassing, and I was like, I can't do it. I, season I, 5 was so hard to sit through. It was like ruining my fucking childhood. I'm, I can't sit through these bad movies. I need somebody to explain to me why uh, J. Michael Straczynski didn't take some of that showrunner money and buy the Wing Commander engine yeah. and just start fucking pumping out Star Fury games. Oh my god, if you could be Star Fury fucking... Uh, wing commander, that'd be so fucking good. You, you do the thing where like, like a, you wouldn't have to. You'd have hardly have to change anything. It was a fucking Narn heavy cruiser at waypoint two. Yeah, like your little ship, your little fighter. It does the thing where it angles down before it launches out. Like, yep. I don't like you're on the edge or something at Great America. <laughs> it just yep. like shoots down. That'd be so much fucking fun. Oh yeah, and you get to, uh, you could do the battle of the line. You could do all kinds yeah, of things. There'd be lots of historical simulations you could do in it. Someone was doing also. that. Now that you mention it, like three or four years ago, I checked in on the progress of a game that was being made by, you know, fans looking for money on Kickstarter or whatever to make yeah. it. And they had like some, they had like two missions that could be played or whatever. And, you know, it looked pretty good, but it wasn't should, anywhere near a complete game. You should look back into it. There's probably been three more posts. It <laughs> probably has. On, on the Kickstarter. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, on the fourth, Ryan writes at Brother Date. Don't be jealous, but the Paramount Plus app on Apple TV subtitles work fine. I'm surprised they show you ads though. Uh, they got the uh, the web based ones working too. So before last week, they had well two weeks ago and prior they were wild. Yeah, they're still bad on the app on yeah. uh, at least on my Amazon device. Right. Uh, and then la- the last time they had switched them up. Um, and they were working better, but now they had like a really distracting animation. And now they're this week when I watched them, they all worked pretty good. So, okay. Well, they're, I they're guess, making progress. I guess over they there. must have a couple of engineers over there. Yeah. Well, there's still some things they can work on. Most notably, playing two audios at once. <laughs> that is sort of the big issue. It's <laughs> a tough one. Um. On the fourth, uh, Ryan writes, maybe it was such a psychological trauma that he reverted to childlike state. I don't know. Sounds like something TV writers would contrive. Maybe that's a real thing, too. I don't know. You see it in movies. Mm. Are we uh, talking this, about... Um... This is about riddles. Oh, yeah. Riddles. Jesus. Where, where poor Tim Russ was just abused for an hour. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> he just had to be like, Neelix is my best friend. I'm yeah, not smart had, anymore. He just had to eat it and eat it for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, that was totally TV trope nonsense. That's not a real thing. Or maybe Ryan, not. don't pretend that's a real thing. I mean, yeah, well, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, did, we probably talked about that Voyager before we talked about the inner light, so that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he also writes, I think I've had a few dreams where the storyline played out over the course of multiple days. But I'm pretty sure I'd be cooked, too, if I had a dream that lasted 30 years. 
Yeah, or would you just go to your quarters and look at your thinking window, and then you're right as rain? I mean, next week you're <laughs> you're pretty you're pretty normal. Yeah. No, <laughs> not haunted next at all. Week you get a call and there's fucking Data's heads in a cave, and you're like, yeah, this is this. A is back my into life. it. This is my actual life, <laughs> not the not the very normal one where I played the flute and raised the sun this had one a, i had a best friend now. who was my best friend just because it seems like there weren't any good available options so it was yeah. this guy or nobody i had a nice wife who made stew and everything but mm-hmm. um that wasn't real what's real is i just got called halfway back across the galaxy <laughs> with my ship because they found my second officer's head in a cave <laughs> this one's real yeah come on man in real life he's waking up every night crying about his dead wife for sure just like about how it wasn't real and all that. Uh, he also writes um, at Brother Date. That's another good point. I've never in my life woken up in a strange room not knowing where I was. Maybe you need to get kidnapped or have a holodeck to experience that. Yeah. But he, again, um, he instantly asks to end program. He's sure he knows. And he's not the only one that we see in Star Trek. Oh, yeah, lots of people do that immediately. to do an end program on something where it's like, why do you think that's what's happening? As soon as they're in an unfamiliar setting, they're like, I'm in an end program. So maybe it's a kind of prank that just goes around in Starfleet. Oh, you just make people wake up in the holodeck? I mean, look, it's similar to the prank of your coworker leaves their workstation unlocked and you go over and take a screenshot of the desktop and then you open it up (laughs) full screen. (laughs) And then they're like, I can't click on anything. Nothing well, works. Working. Computer's broken. <laughs> I you mean, better, it's very you, simple. You better call kind IT. Of, <laughs> kind of prank, though. Admittedly, it's a big escalation. But, um, you know, maybe they do that in Starfleet. Just uh, just wait till someone falls asleep and then have them beamed into a weird holodeck scenario. And the best thing is, you know, you can film all that so easy. You just be like, computer, start recording. And then you just get to watch them fucking freak out. And then you can now, play it for everybody. Well, that's actually an interesting question, Matt, because you could just ask the computer to show you what that would be like. Like, instead of doing the actual prank <laughs> on Captain Picard, you could just go to the hall. You could all that can pretend like, you're playing a prank on Captain Picard. <laughs> yeah, all right, now give me a Captain Picard, but he fell asleep, and he <laughs> and he woke up here, and he doesn't know how he got here. What would he do? do that and you're the computer, then, you're smart, you know what he'd do. What would he do? You wouldn't have to show the video to anybody. People could just run that program. Yeah, that's true. Just like, hey, I wrote a program where Captain Picard didn't know. Um, <laughs> you guys are going to love this. This is a great program. <laughs> the computer is very good at this. This is a very uh, good program. I call this one Picard wakes up in a Romulan jail. <laughs> he it's called, pretty good. He says computer and program six times, but luckily the computer is smart enough not to Yeah, the computer doesn't do respond it. to its own yeah. stuff like that. So. <laughs> Uh, anyway, get to it before they delete it. Too many people were cranking off to the last one, so. <laughs> uh, on the 8th, he writes, uh, no lie detected. I assume that was the point where I said if he played the flute, there would definitely be, he would definitely have some party for a special occasion where he <laughs> would make us listen to a flute uh, composition. I, I would look forward to it. Those moments oh, yeah. are treasured. I love when stuff like that happens. On the 13th, he writes, uh, at Brother Date, you know what's a take I haven't heard from you guys in a while? Space is weird. I think we threw that in the first few episodes, and I think Ben continued with it for a while after we started working very hard to come up with takes that could theoretically exist in the episode. I really do think 
that unless the episode was really super about space is weird to the point where people were like, I don't know, we think we're prepared for everything. Yeah. And then something like this happens. Like, unless it was that explicit, I probably would just no-take an episode where yep. all, all, where the best I could do is space is weird at this point. Yeah, for sure. The space is weird is a no-take now. Um... Like, there, early in Enterprise, there is room for a space is weird take. Yeah, because the take of several times in the first season was like, "Are we are we really ready? Right. Is humanity ready for the this great adventure?" But if we're if we hit a season six TNG Deep Space Nine or Voyager, and all I got was space is weird, that's so. When masks comes along, I mean, it's a it's conceivable. <laughs> Just trying in my head to think about what that one could fucking possibly be about. Uh, don't do work before it's time. I, You'll I, have, I do not want to do that one at all. You're going to have enough time working on that one for sure when it comes around. Normally, getting to do TNG is a pretty... That's the plum assignment when you get to describe that one. Because so much... All the shit that happens is uh, buck wild in a good way. Yes. But um, <laughs> I definitely will be glad that you are doing the synopsis on masks for sure oh, uh, yeah. and then Ehot's um, back and uh, you know Ehot he's well, got this, shit to say this has been my contention for a long time by the way is that the last good season of Star Trek is season 5 uh, TNG rather yeah so, I think that's true I, I, I season 6 and 7 have always been lumped together in my head as kind of trash yeah so people are like oh I don't like the first two seasons and I'll be like you don't like them you like them less than the last two seasons because yeah. to me it's the opposite yeah, like I get it. Code of Honor, Justice. You know, the uh, a natural selection. There's a lot yeah. of stuff with the child. There's a lot of stuff in season one and two that's rough. But then Dark Page masks. Yeah, there's, yeah, they're they're going for stuff in season one and two. I don't even think they're really attempting anything in six and seven. Yeah. Um, and obviously when we were going through it, we noticed two was even a little bit worse than one. Just yeah, in terms of, two was a step back. There were some real stinkers in season two, you know, the Listen, royale. Whatever. At the end of season one, the showrunners had to choose between getting rid of, or the producers had to choose between getting rid of Maurice Hurley or getting rid of Gates McFadden. They made the wrong choice and realized it in one season and switched it. <laughs> it's true. They did turn around on that as fast as they could. Uh, Yeah, but yeah, I mean, when we're doing Genesis in season seven, we're going to be like, fuck. Ah, man. Can we just you do up the long ladder again? Big Ape Riker and um, Spider Monster. Oh, no. What kind of monster is Worf? Kind Worf of a crab? Uh, is a predator? I mean, he's a predator for sure, but doesn't he have, like, tentacles, sort uh, of? I've just assumed those were his predator dreads, but I don't know. He's, That's a good point. he's got some we'll shit see. going on. Even in that episode, they don't give Troy work. They just put her in a bathtub and give her gills. Uh, yeah, she's like, uh, some kind of amphibian, but I don't know what she's supposed to be. Yeah. And, um, Nurse Ogawa's like a iguana? Full chimpanzee, yeah. Oh, no, oh, she's, no. A, she's a chimpanzee, you're right. Maybe it's yeah. Troy who's an iguana or something. It's no, not Spot good, becomes man. an iguana. Oh, uh, okay. Spot is just replaced with, I think, an actual iguana. We'll see. If I'm distracted, it's because my child is screaming. <laughs> Top That's of his lungs in the other room. Normally he's asleep by now. Um, all right, let's move on here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Again, no need to anticipate the terrible episodes that are coming. We'll get to them. Yeah. On the 13th, Ryan wrote, 
No, we don't get them here. I used to tease my mom every time she would talk about seeing one, joking with her that they weren't real. Uh, I assume that's about cardinals. Uh, yeah, no, those are a um, this side of the Rockies bird, not that side. Uh, and they're they're fucking annoying. I think there's one bird that's louder, and it's the blue jay. Ah, the blue jay is can really project. But they don't tend to hang out right by the house the way the cardinals do. Occasionally, blue jays will come by and make their dumb noise, and then they're just on their way. The cardinals sit right outside of your window from about 2.30 a.m. to, like, 10.30 a.m. and just scream the whole time. And you're like, what? it's fucking dark. What are you hoping to accomplish? There ain't no ladybirds around. No one's around. Just go to sleep. I am now checking the mountain goats bracket. Okay. To see if I put the song Blue Jays and Cardinals on it. Oh, that's a song. Well, there you go. Yeah, and I, I didn't, and I'm not going to fuck with this old-ass iPad to uh, play some of it, <laughs> but I assume that song would be very triggering for you now that you have yeah. strong opinions about those two types of Again, I don't mind the Blue Jays too much. I just, I don't come in contact with them very often. It's the Cardinals that are the, the fuckers. Are Orioles loud too? Is that how these uh, birds are getting... Um, Baseball team names? Yeah, the louder the bird, the more likely you are to become a sports franchise, for sure. We get nice. Orioles here, but I never see them. They they are technically supposed to be in uh in this part of the country, but I never I never run into them. On the thirteenth, Ryan writes, "I wouldn't go as far as to say that I like him." <laughs> and <laughs> oh, here we go. He's certainly hard to work for. But I respect what he's trying to accomplish. I do wish my stock price would go up, though. Yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> That's what we were waiting for. We know what that's about. Yeah. Also, on the 13th, he says, I have definitely never described myself as trail master. But we said it was plausible. We didn't know for sure. It yeah. was uh, something that we found, just like the flute thing. You know? <laughs> plausible. Plausible. <laughs> you do a lot of hiking. Uh, it's, it's possible. On the 13th, you retweeted Josh Cantor, who said, Happy 73rd birthday, Stevie. Trying to pick my favorite Stevie Wonder album is like trying to pick my favorite kid if I had, like, 30 super awesome kids. Yeah. Now, there's about... I don't know. For me, there's probably only four contenders for your favorite Stevie Wonder album. Really? He made a lot of good records, but... Yeah. It's the, uh, the yeah. mid '70s stuff. Sure, yeah, but there are some that are so good that even though, even though I am very sure that my favorite is music of my mind, I like his sixth best album would be like <laughs> my sixth favorite album of all time. <laughs> right. So I kind I get what he's saying for sure. Yeah, but yeah, no, I know which one is my favorite. Cyrus is lucky he doesn't have brothers and sisters. If I would know which one is my favorite. <laughs> now, that sounds like you're saying it wouldn't be Cyrus. Well, just right now. Just a second. <laughs> just right now. While he's, while he's making all that noise over there. Yeah. In the middle of Papa's second job. Speaking of, on the 13th, Ryan writes, not including the podcasting part, how long does it take you to watch and take notes on each episode? Boy, I really try not to do a lot of extra note time, but you can't help it. Like, I probably spend, so there's the, whatever, the 45 minutes per episode watching. 
then random pausing in between if there's something that has blown my mind or I need to catch up or something because the notes are coming too fast, too furious. Happens sometimes. And, and then usually there's probably, I don't know, I usually spend like another half hour after finishing up all of my thoughts in my notes. Yeah, I would say it is a very rare episode for me where the total time, including watching, is less than an hour and a half. Yeah. Like, I think most episodes I spend as much time doing other other parts of the process as I do watching the episode in total. Yeah. And sometimes it's much more. I, guess I can't help it. Like, I get to the end and I'm like, I have a bunch of half-finished thoughts in there. And I'm like, well, I better go through and clean <laughs> this up. Clean this up. I'm not going to yeah. remember later and I'm just going to read it verbatim. I'm going to read half a sentence verbatim and then go, I don't know what I meant. <laughs> right, exactly. So I got to clean up all my thoughts, make sure I know what I'm talking about. It's important. I get paid for this. Uh, yeah, uh, so it's longer than it. I, I, God damn, I wish it wasn't that long. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> I mean, look, and it always has been, and at least we're down from five to three, right? Well, that's so, like, good because uh, I wouldn't be able to do five anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if it was five, you would you would still be on hiatus, probably. Yeah, I'd be like, look, I can't get to five yet. So maybe someday I'll be able to do that again. Yeah, three is very taxing right now. Yeah. Um. Also on the thirteenth, he says, "Remind me, what was the bellboy's name again?" Now we oh, got to hear it this it. week. He's going to say it this week. Mm. So and the way he stay, does, mm. fucking stay tuned. Mm. Um. Then he asks, "What the fuck is a resonance pulse?" Um, and that's a, it's a good question. It's the kind of thing you just have to let wash over you. <laughs> no, it's, uh, that's techno babble at its finest. Yeah. So in dragon's teeth. Sure. Uh, the, one of the Toure ships fires a resonance pulse that takes Voyager out of subspace. Okay. Yeah. It gets him out of the tunnel. Yeah, um, but it is, it is an interesting question because resonance is usually, so, you know, so resonance means in general that something is driving a system, energy is being inputted into a system at the same frequency as some other naturally occurring part of the system. So the as the energy goes in, the effect builds and builds and builds. And then you have stuff like... I'm going to say the Tacoma Narrows Bridge because everybody knows what that looks like, but that uh, arguably was not a resonance problem. Right. Um, it's been, you know, relitigated. But this is what happens when you break a wine glass by singing the right frequency, right? Yeah. Is the wine glass naturally vibrates at that frequency because of its shape and stiffness, etc. And you can find out what the frequency is by, like, flicking it. That's the sound you hear. That's the... the Any vibrations that are happening at the frequency that the thing resonates as are amplified a little bit and you hear it. Sure. Um, so what's weird about a resonance pulse is that usually you're talking about energy that's being added to a system continually until the feedback builds up to the point that something catastrophic happens or something changes and the, uh, it can't build up anymore or something like that. Hmm. And a pulse is kind of the opposite idea. But, again, uh, it doesn't mean anything really on its own. 
but you know you could sort of work back and say everybody knows what this is in starfleet and yep they're they're adding some energy into the warp field at the frequency of the warp field and it causes them to it causes it to collapse right yeah that's the idea uh yeah it's the techno babble they use when they said that they shot a thing and then the the voyager that it dropped out of warp because of the thing uh and on the 14th he writes uh quote similar art styles between cardassia and bajor and then asks no comment about monolithic societies well, that's because he listened to our episode and did not watch the deep space nine episode um, yeah you did the description for that but even i didn't write this down but um you can count on these writers when they talk about art to <laughs> make up the name of a fake art movement yeah right this happens all the time. This will happen anytime Picard sees an artifact or whatever, too. Uh-huh. Like, it's an example of the so-and-so style. I don't know if that's because TV writers are desperate to seem cultured, and so they want to know that there are such things as schools of painting or particular styles, etc. Right. So if you just listen to us, and we describe it as similar art styles between Cardassia and Bajor, you can be certain that it was a comparison between the art style of one particular Cardassian art movement and yeah. the art style of some Bajoran school of painting or something. Yeah, he, they probably said something like that. I don't think it was meant to... I don't think they were saying all Bajoran art is like right. all Cardassian art. I bet they made some kind of dumb analogy. Yes, they they, they didn't in this case. Um, but also... Don't he, worry. If Gal Dukas said that, that <laughs> they were similar, yeah, that wouldn't be surprising if he, if yeah. he thought of them as monoliths. But exactly. I don't even think he yeah. did. Um, so the, although the writers definitely use uh, make up these monolithic societies as shorthand and because they're not really talking about these people and they haven't really fleshed them out, this actually hits on the one case where they usually fight go against that trend, just, I think, in an effort to sound like they know about art. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then the final tweet this week is from Ryan. Uh, he says, I realize that one, you have no interest in doing this extra work on top of all your ac- other extra work. And two, it's probably completely unnecessary, but I would be interested in seeing a runoff between your top three or five episodes overall. What would that look like? What does that mean? We got to watch yeah, them again. A good, it's a good question. I don't want to watch any of these again, even like, the good ones. Doing a runoff between the highest scoring episodes, just to say, which one is our favorite? Like, yeah, like is this just, just to back recognize end enjoyment? that the, the rubric doesn't cover enjoyment, or are like, we relitigating the rubric? Exactly, oof, that seems yeah, tough. That's the one that I'm I'm much less interested in. Like taking yeah, a bracket about it, of our uh, top sixteen Star Trek episodes and doing a, a bracket format head to head, just picking which one you like best could be done. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I ain't uh, look. I thought critically about it once, and that's too many times. No one should have done it. It was wrong that we did it. And we should not do it again, for sure. And we paid for our sin with our time, with our (laughs) old age and gray hair. Just really think about it, guys. Just everyone think about it. And that way, maybe if enough people outside think about it, I can't think about it in here. That's how it works, (laughs) right? We started doing this in 2016, so... Uh, but yeah, no, uh, basically I don't know how to, I can't know how to hear any more about Star Trek outside of what we're already doing here. So <laughs> that's right. you're not wrong. Yeah. Well, that's the mailbag. Oh, good. <laughs> we did about 34 minutes of mailbag after eight minutes of complete bullshitting. So, well, I we wasn't, are... um, I wasn't at the top of my game on account of, uh, 
the little screaming goblin. So I'm <laughs> just gonna. <laughs> I mean, we might not hit, might not so hit four short. hours tonight. I see. Yeah. 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 <laughs> is he still is he still going or is he settled back down? Uh, Marjan says he's just sitting up in his crib, refusing to sleep. So. All right. Cool. Yeah. We'll see. <clears throat> he's just being willful. Mm-hmm. Well, it is time to talk about Star Trek. Oh, good. <laughs> I know you. I know you can't wait. Um, and we are going to start with you. Uh, the last place finisher last week in a very very close week was uh, was Voyager with Dragon's Teeth. So we're going to start this week by talking about One Small Step. Voyager. October 19th, 2032. Mars. We should be done with this project by then, right? 2032? Fuck. I mean, I can't, we can't do another hiatus. If we want to get it done by then, we would have to do uh, more. We'd have to do more than five episodes every year to get to that point. So, All right. well, I think anyway. we probably could do it. I um, I just you know, don't don't call it too soon. We might not make it, but we'll see. <laughs> um, some banter about baseball that makes no sense at all, and then uh, a a big bump happens on board whatever this ship is. Near above Mars, the pilot moves to avoid an object, one that he describes as no solar flare credits. So it does look like orange fire coming right at him, so. But he's sure, though. He knows. Yeah. Uh, Chaco hears a chime at his door, but no one's there when he answers. He tries to call the bridge, but his call goes to the transporter room and then Neelix. Glitches abound. Uh, so he heads over to engineering, and he finds Seven tinkering. She's improving the computer core in some way. Once again, without permission. She's been doing stuff like that a lot lately. Yeah, no one seems to um, no one seems to talk about it, really. No. <laughs> we don't see a scene where Chakotay goes to talk to Janeway and says, I think we're... Uh, we have a continuing problem here. Yeah, we maybe have uh, given her too wide a berth. We and, might need uh, to start restricting some access. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after she tells a joke, uh, some other shit goes wrong, but that's ind- independent of her modifications. Um, something is coming out of subspace nearby, it, and apparently it's a Graviton ellipse. Not the Gravitron, though again, no. similarly shaped. Or, um, Orlean's Orbit. Sure. Yeah, it could have been Orlean's Orbit that just popped up there out of subspace. Make them all a gravitron ellipse. Yeah. Make them all yart. <laughs> um, it appears without warning again out of subspace, and uh, it yanks objects with EM signatures. It did a deed on that uh, that Mars ship three hundred years ago, and it's back for more. I guess. Um, Seven wants to destroy the object. I guess the Borg had bad times with it. Uh, but the rest of these fuckers, they want to study it. Um. They uh, go back and uh, look at the logs and shit, and they find that this thing did indeed munch up a space capsule near Mars way back when. Yeah, not and, just an example of this, but this particular one. Mm-hmm, and everyone gets very excited about this little history lesson. This happens a lot on Voyager. Um, They want to reclaim the capsule for cool human reasons. They'll modify the Delta Flyer to get inside the anomaly and... 
Seven is once again the audience avatar saying stuff like, why though? And, huh? Beans, man. (laughs) Janeway tells her it's the best thing a person can do. Take dumb risks for relic hunting reasons. Then uh, Seven is voluntold to join the mission. Uh, Chaco and TP are in a contest to see who loves early Mars exploration more. Even Schmollis is all in on this thing. Uh, the, uh, the Delta Flyer makes it safely through to the Anomaly's core, and they pull some rocks and shit aboard so Chakotay could keep telling Seven about how cool science is. And then they find the Ares capsule. That was the, the Ares was the, that was the mission to Mars. Um, and the Anomaly is starting to move, and they figure out it's heading for a dark matter asteroid. Whatever that is. <laughs> uh, anyway, they're going to be out of time soon because there's going to be a big collision. So Chaco and Seven argue about whether to nab the capsule. Uh, Chaco orders that they do it. And guess what? They run out of time and the anomaly crashes into that dark matter asteroid. And inside the Delta Flyer is rocked and they lose the capsule. And Chaco gets zapped by one of those fucking consoles. Seven says they can get shields back online, but they got no engines and... You know, ticking clock. The anomaly's gonna go back into subspace in two hours. Seven is testy with Chakotay, who's like, Hey man, we all make mistakes. We good? But she is not good. Uh, Voyager makes contact with the help of a probe. Uh, They come up with a plan to steal some tech from the old Ares capsule and use it to repair the Delta Flyer enough to escape. Yeah, there's a great scene where they get on the fucking horn and not somebody who has been real excited about this probe, but Bolana Torres is like, you know, there's a part, there's a part on this ship in the cockpit, it's fucking stapled to a wall, <laughs> and um, you could use it to do plasma transfers. Yeah, you know how, you know what, what it was like in 2032. Yeah, so anyway, this week she knows about it. Yep, uh, Seven kits up in her first contact spacesuit and heads over there. They've been using those things a lot on Voyager. Uh, Chaco begs her to fucking drink in all that history when she goes over there, which is nuts, given everything that has already happened. Then they play, uh, they play the pilot's logs some more while Seven fucks around in the capsule. I guess his final plan was to, like, fly out of the anomaly with his final burn and then, um, float around in space. Yes. So no real plan. And he didn't have a real plan. send a fucking radio message and that there was something anybody in 2032 could do about it. <laughs> yeah, I think that was it, buddy. I think I if, guess, you didn't, if you didn't launch yourself toward home, there's nothing. I guess maybe if he got out, he could send a bunch of data back home before he died. But like... Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, no real plan. There's no rescue mission for somebody who's in orbit around Mars or even worse, no longer in orbit around Mars. Yeah. Anyway, it don't work. And uh, he gives Seven one more life lesson. He says, yeah, I'm beefing it, cold and alone, but it was worth it, because now I know um, we aren't alone as a uh, a species. There are aliens out there or something. Whatever. Because he flew past another alien ship inside the anomaly. Um, And then he turns on his cameras at maximum cameraing, and he goes quietly (laughs) to his beef bed. Anyway... And as always, the flyer crew, uh, they almost run out of time, but they make the necessary repairs and they get out of the anomaly and back to Voyager. 
uh, and they give Captain Ares John Kelly, I assume they call him, a space funeral. And Seven wants to say a few words, and she says, hey, is this royal blue cat suit new, or is it one I haven't worn in a while? <laughs> and Chaco listens from sick bay as she finally, sadly reports that the Yankees won the World Series in six games. Hey, does me wearing this make you think, did I have my heels on under my spacesuit boots? Because I don't think those come off. <laughs> it's true, like they're part of the outfit. I think I have to put them in the space boots. Uh, also, the way she said it, she said, this guy really smelled like dog buns. <laughs> anyway, they fire his torpedo spirit into the cosmos or something. The end. Yeah. Hmm. It's kind of a shame I didn't describe this one because I did want to do about 20 minutes on the last four minutes of the episode <laughs> where she beams his body back, even though the transporter only had enough energy for one person. And then also I didn't even I didn't even talk about it. Also, they hold his funeral on the bridge. Yep, that's where you hold because it. Because there's no torpedo room set on Voyager. No, uh, they didn't build one of those. So then someone has to the honor guard has to fucking walk that torpedo coffin down to the torpedo bay yeah. in universe. I thought they were going to beam it into space because it don't matter that they fire it. But no. you know what? Whatever. Anyway, like you, like you said, there's, I don't know. I don't know, man. All right. Well, what was this, what one this about? one's about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would like you to, can you play the, can you play the clip? About oh yeah, for sure. The signs. Are you interpreting all the symbols? Searching your subconscious for their meaning? Yes. Yes. I yeah, always well, think about that when I'm thinking about Voyager to make sure that I'm doing it right. Um, this this was an odd one. Uh, everybody talks, basically the whole episode, about connecting to history. Mm. They say stuff like, if you study history, you become part of it. Gee. And Janeway tells Seven, when you were Borg, you just ingested history. You didn't study it. Right. But then it's like, and that ain't what the episode's about. This ain't no. about studying history and becoming a part of it. At the end of this episode, Seven of Nine doesn't feel like she was a part of history. No. So if you ignore all of that and just think about what happens in the episode, it's kind. it seems to kind of be making the point that being cynical about something that other people are enjoying is just kind of cheating yourself out of an experience. Yeah, I think that could be right. Like, Seven is not interested in this at all. She thinks they should uh, blow up this anomaly. Uh, everything about this is bad and dumb. She's real mad at Chakotay. Yeah. But then we're supposed to understand that at the end, even after she gets volunteered for this mission and then volunteered for the little submission yep. within the mission... That ultimately, she has some kind of genuine experience, just like Paris or Chakotay would have, or Schmullis in her place. Yeah. To so the fact like, that she's, like, broken up, saying uh -huh. a few words about uh, the guy who's been dead for 500, sorry, not 500 years, the guy who's been dead for 300 years or whatever. Yeah. That's shorthand, and that's all we're going to get, by the way. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's like, I guess that's what it's about. Like, don't be so cynical. If everyone else is enjoying something, maybe you will, too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Maybe you'll talk about it in execution, but it's a little bit different than, like, everyone's like, oh, did you see the new Black Panther? It's great. And you're like, yeah. oh, I'm so sick of Marvel movies. And then people are like, why are you being such a buzzkill? Like, uh, her complaint is that it is a needlessly dangerous mission, yes. and they are alone out there, and they need to go home. 
She's so. not just being Neil deGrasse Tyson, for sure. But then, <laughs> yeah. like, like, she goes to talk to Jamie and she says, this is uh, obviously purely sentimental. Like, we it, we scanned this anomaly in one second. There's no data on that fucking device yeah. that matters, right? But And then Jamie says, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's sentimental. But wouldn't it be That's cool, what we do. Yeah. That's why we don't just send unmanned probes everywhere. And by the way, uh, you now have homework. You have to go be sentimental. <laughs> it's really tough. Uh, like, I'm not exactly mad at this take. Sure. I don't know. I also don't think that anyone is fully on the other side of this one, except for, like, the, the character Daria from TV's Daria. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good pull. So... Did they bring uh, that back? Free, I know they I brought back Beavis and Butthead. Did they bring back Daria yet? I don't know if they brought back Daria. Okay. I'm sorry, you said I don't know three. if they can afford to relicense that cake song. <laughs> uh, boy. Well, here's what I had. Exploration and research are worth significant risk because who knows what benefits you might reap. That is fucking the exact argument that's made. Yep. Uh, I can only imagine they were trying to throw NASA a bone. Maybe after some <laughs> high-profile whoopsies. Uh, I mean, this was before the second high-profile whoopsie. Yeah, but they were just generally not really getting the job done um, and having their funding cut over and over again. So, um, I sort of like I was just pointing out about yours. That's cool. That's not really what this episode... It's not what happens in this episode, but that's cool. No. Uh, I gave it a four, I guess. I also yeah. want NASA to get more money, but like I don't know. Uh, okay. Um, execution. I say, hey, maybe a Challenger got knocked around by a spatial anomaly. Maybe a Nagilum or something. Please spend yeah. money on space stuff. <laughs> uh, oh boy, that, is, that is not what happened. You are right. Everything the crew of Voyager thinks is fine, except that this isn't an argument about a research program to be paid for and carried out by a large federation or government or whatever. Voyager's all alone out there, and they've made 1,500 enemies already, and they need to go home fast. That's right, fucking every minute that they're stopped, one of the huge cadre of enemies that they <laughs> thought could have sent the fucking... Oh, who were the guys that got sent after them in Think Tank? Oh. We know Think Tank is who sent them, but like... Yeah. Um, the trash hauling guys? No, the no, I mean, no. No, the Malon, again, one of the groups of people that Voyager credibly thought could have been the people who commissioned these mercenaries yes. to come after them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, one of the giant space alliances against them. One of those alliances that will definitely like go down in history as the uh, alliance for good against the evil space pirates of Voyager. Like, they fucking literally, last week, the 73 Vodwar ships escaped. Yeah. They hate Voyager to hell. Yeah. And Janeway's like, I have a feeling we haven't seen the last of them. But no, <laughs> this they definitely like, let's stop and investigate this anomaly. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's not worth it in this particular case to stop your whole mission and mess around with a dangerous phenomenon. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're all just bored. Just bored. I don't know how that could be possible given their fight for survival every week, but they just, why, why do any of this? Uh, Chaco gets injured, and I guess that's supposed to show that, sure, it's risky, but everyone knows that it's going to be and embraces that, because the people who are injured are laying in the bed talking about how cool it is. <laughs> anyway, it seemed like this episode was just science is cool. Um, 
I don't hate that. It just also doesn't feel like they made a real plot. It's just a bunch of people talking about how it's worth the risk or whatever. I gave it a four. Um, yeah, I'm in at a four too. Ryan asked about weird shit in space. Yeah. And here we have yet another very contrived reason Voyager gets to run across something from Earth way out in the goddamn Delta Quadrant. Happens a lot out there. Uh, Memory Alpha, I forget what the number was, but this is like the 11th through 15th time this has happened. (laughs) That they've run into something from Earth or the Alpha Quadrant all the way out here. Yeah, sometimes it's just that's a big truck floating in space. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, this is aging, nostalgic TV writers just doing an episode about nostalgia totally uncritically. Yep. Um, and also halfway through this, the episode switches from a Chakotay episode. Yes. Like, an episode about a guy making a mistake because he's caught up in nostalgia to a 7 of 9 episode about being forced to watch a bunch of old episodes of Get Smart by her dad's buddies, but then in the end, she laughs. That's right. She gets it. It's funny. <laughs> they literally have Chakotay in this episode say Voyager would get by just fine without him. In an I episode mean, where they are fucking have fucking stolen the episode from him. Yeah. I mean, what look, a slap in the face. But is he wrong? He's not wrong, but also... I mean, they would also, get by just fine without him. When was the last time... The last time they gave him anything to do, he boxed a figment of his imagination. <laughs> yeah, but that was the one episode Beltran got up for. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Well, he was just fucking happy to finally do something aside that aside from just saying a Moya. <laughs> My ancestors. <laughs> uh... Also, a full quarter of this episode is one of the guys who played one of the Jem'Hadar from Rocks and Shoals a couple of weeks ago, uh-huh. just floating around in an early version of an Enterprise set running out of air. Yeah. Well, like, it, okay, so he, that guy showed up in the... Almost 10 minutes. That was the thing. He showed up in the teaser, and I was like, well, I know that guy. He's been in a bunch of Star yeah, Trek. He's been, been in Babylon he, 5. He's been in a million exactly. things. He gets and around. Then he, like, you know, he beefs it at the end of the teaser or whatever, and we're like, I'm, I'm like, well, is that it? They hired this guy, they for that? this guy more to do than that. Yeah. So then when he came back later, I was like, oh, all right, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't know, eight of the last 10 minutes are this guy doing logs and either we're seeing him as we, as we hear the log or his log is playing on a TV over seven of nine shoulder and she's not doing anything interesting in the foreground. No. She's like trying to twist on a little part or something. She's Even not she's not anything. interested in right, it. Exactly. Yeah. Like all... The only interesting things happening in this scene for like eight of the last ten minutes is this guy doing his logs. It's it's a weird choice. Yes, yeah. In a way, it goes from a Chicote episode to a seven episode to a Captain John. What was his name John Kelly? What was his name? Yeah, goes, Lieutenant John Kelly becomes his episode in the end. Weirdly, yeah. Uh, another jarring thing was there was a lot of intense staccato low piano music in this <laughs> yeah, one. I Every time things got success, suspenseful. And it's like, um, this guy didn't get the message. Star Trek is a strings show and not a piano yeah, show. It right, distracted buddy. me, I feel like, three separate times. It's, that is not the right palette that you are yeah. playing around in at all. Because every time I was like, dun 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 I'm like, uh, <laughs> what are we watching? And I think this is Night at the Museum or something. <laughs> <laughs> now, having said all that, there are definitely 70 worse Voyager episodes to watch. And actually, nothing really made me mad this week, so... 
Okay. Uh, I did give it a four in execution. Sure. All right. Uh, what about World Building? Early Mars missions, the Graviton Ellipse, and I wrote, yeah, not much really. But then as you were talking, it reminded me, you reminded me of the Dark Matter Asteroid. <laughs> um, so now we know that in the Star Trek universe, dark matter is a lot like normal matter mm-hmm. in that it can accrete and form asteroids. Yep, but you still that's, you still have trouble picking it up. You got to do some special scanning. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's actually an unknown at this time. So that's Star Trek taking a fucking punt at something. Uh, yeah, I about mean, I the guess nature so. of dark matter, which is. They uh, make up crazy stuff all the time, though, that yeah. that usually has nothing to do with anything. So, I'm giving it a three for taking a shot at it. Okay. Or what probably happened is one of the writers thought he knew what dark matter was. <laughs> yeah, it's like regular matter, but it's like I don't know, like you got to scan. You got to if you don't scan for it specifically, you could run right into it. Yeah. That's what the deflectors for. <laughs> so it's going to be a three from me. Okay. Uh, well, let's see what I got. Uh, all the stuff on Mars in 2032. This uh, this thing is attracted to EM activity, and it almost derailed the Mars program entirely when it when it fucking ate up John Kelly. Good, uh, the Borg know all about it. This Buck Buckeye banter is busted, buddy. How can well, he set a hit streak record during the World in Series in the postseason? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. regular season shit. Anyway, the Yankees won the 2032 World Series. Lots of techno babble in this one, but I said not you a ton. Otherwise, assume Buck Bukai was the fucking season MVP, though, right? Uh, I he mean, fifty game hit streak. Yeah. If he, oh no! Actually, if you count, if you figure all the playoff games they would have played. His regular season hit streak must have been thirty five games. Yeah. <laughs> yep. If they're gonna count the postseason ones, which again you're you don't currently do. Yeah. In Major League Baseball, then yeah, I mean. This was wow. Game 6 of the World Series. They played some games, for sure. This show really put an asterisk by his record, huh? Yep, that's what I'm saying. I was sitting there going, what? Wait a minute. Huh? What's happening? Um, I gave it a 2. You wouldn't count it for the number of hits in a season. Would you not count it for a streak? You wouldn't. Okay. No, all the records are always separate. Everything from the playoffs is always separate. Like if it you want to, you can you can throw like it up on a Chiron. Different, like I agree. It's it's not a thing where like if you would count a streak across seasons, then there's nothing fundamentally different about adding the postseason in there. No, but, I agree, yeah, and that's how college football eventually um, came down on it as well. Like in the olden days, they didn't count bowl stats. That that just wasn't part of the season stats, and then eventually they're like, ah, oh, it's fucking same thing. Just count them. I think it all started because all of these postseasons were originally exhibitions. Yeah. And that's how they were thought of, and so people kind of just kept them separate as their own u- unique thing. But yeah, uh, you'll see it sometimes in like Chirons. They'll be like, you know, he's got a whatever streak dating back. In in parentheses, it'll be like regular season and postseason or something. But generally speaking, the stats are not counted that way. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so anyway, two for me. Uh, characterization. Yes, please. Seven doesn't ask permission for anything anymore she just does whatever she wants uh again just that last time out when she woke up the fucking vaudevoir just because i don't know she felt like it um didn't learn a lesson from that i guess nope no and even though she had the episode with janeway the bookend at the end where she uh, they tried to make the episode about that suddenly um 
she just did it again this week. Anyway, uh, she tells a joke right after that in engineering, so that's just coming along there. She can't understand why everyone on Voyager is dumb for real. <laughs> just walking around going, what are you talking about, though? You think Can she we just she'd not? the think tank? Yeah. She had a chance, man. She could have been with Jason Alexander. I mean, on the, on the other hand, Voyager beat those chodes, so <laughs> she how could've... good are they, really? Yeah, but she, she was the big part of that. See, that's what I'm... She, she was... Take her, take her out of the equation. What did they do? She was getting big energy, too, that she was the only uh, female of any species on that ship, and... Yeah, I don't remember. Was that Jellyfish Lady? I can't uh, remember. Jason Alexander may have had designs. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Seven wanted to be a ballerina when she was a kid. Um, this week she learns a lesson about what makes science cool. Uh, Kim is still the night shift captain. Is he just working double shifts? I think so, huh? He does the night shift and then he does the regular shift and then he goes to bed. I guess that's what you got to do if you want to fucking finally become a lieutenant junior grade, huh? If you want, if you one of the fucking ten guys left in the fucking galaxy, as far as you're concerned, and you still can't get promoted, I guess this is what you got to do. I've been sorry. I've been serving as a bridge officer, and I've been in every uh, vital decision making conference for uh, five full years now. But uh, <laughs> seriously, I'm if... not going to have any seniority. There, people are going to look at me and be like, "That's ah, another one of those fifty year old ensigns." When I get back. If that guy was in a static warp bubble with Captain Picard and it was just those two on the bridge, he still couldn't get promoted to lieutenant. <laughs> Picard would just be like, you've just always been an ensign. Yeah. What's Does the this point? Does make any sense to you? I mean, it's always been this way. <laughs> you've always been ensign Kim. Uh, Chaco joins Starfleet to study paleontology, we hear this week. Uh, he's suddenly TP level obsessed with shit that will get everyone in trouble. Uh-huh. It's almost like they said, we can't keep going back to this well with Tom Paris every week. Do the exact <laughs> oh, same by, thing, but pick another crew member. By the way, Tom Paris is for sure the character this makes the most sense mm-hmm. about. Like the only, I think they got to a point where they're like, why would Tom Paris be in charge of this mission? Yeah. And then they were like, oh. Uh, yep. yep. Chakotay really also Chakotay. loves this stuff. <laughs> uh, he's into paleontology, so of course he cares about old space flight missions. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, other people are in this, but only to say things out loud, like, yay, science is dangerous sometimes. So, uh, I give it a three. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have it as a three also. Um, I mean, it's nice to see Seven tell everyone this is a dangerous waste of time. And it sucks to see Janeway go, yeah, well... That's how we do it. And if you just immerse yourself in it a little more, I could sign off on your community service hours. <laughs> she, this is what she does with everyone all the time. Someone comes in and makes a very well-reasoned complaint, and she just goes, yeah, but eat it, though. You can yeah. fucking sit on it. Not only that, also there's a scene where Chicote is all excited about what he's seeing in the nebula, and Tom Paris is all excited, and Janeway doesn't care, and just says, and what do you think, Seven, my number one daughter and project? <laughs> It used to be Balana, and then you came along, and she's jealous. Yeah. I also thought it was wild that Tom Paris and Chakotay think these old explorers have it rough because they didn't have replicators and holodecks. John Kelly didn't get turned into a lizard once. That's he true. wasn't. He wasn't indoctrinated to fight a war against crazy beasts. He didn't have to run Nazi <laughs> drills for weird hunter aliens having an existential crisis. That's a good point. They sleep on hard, scratchy-looking triangles and poop in a drawer. 
But they got to run this baby boomer shtick of kids today don't know how easy they've got it. Even though when they went to school, people didn't send videos of them saying the N-word to colleges they applied to. (laughs) Yeah, Paul, that's true. Also, Chakotay is the only Starfleet officer we've seen not really beat himself up over a mistake like this. Yeah. Uh, Even Seven was more chagrined about waking up the Vaudoir last week. Chakotay uh, finds out that he has basically doomed them all to die by violating a direct order. So, by the way, the next scene should have been Janeway taking a pair of side cutters and clipping off half of his weird rank pin. <laughs> but uh, instead, he's like, he's mad. He's mad that Seven's upset about it. He tells yeah. her to put away her attitude. He tries to make jokes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is uh, You were typing furiously when I got to that part of the description, but like everything goes horribly wrong, and he just looks at her and goes, Look, man, we all make mistakes. Are we good? <laughs> it's it's like just not... nothing at all in there that's like, well, yeah, I kind of fucked it up. Schmollis trying to get his goddamn program reset, or Harry Kim beating himself up because he uh, beamed up a murder torpedo, or <laughs> uh, like I said, even Seven of Nine was more upset about waking up the Vaudoir. Yep. Chakotay's like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> yep. I guess it's nice. Heartwarming that Seven had a moment of connection with this old dead astronaut. But um, beaming his body back with limited power, especially the week after you woke a Vaudoir up from stasis, mm, yeah. it's a weird. It's a weird decision, no matter how you slice it. Yeah, like especially since that whole thing uh, was framed like it was a horror thing, and he was going to come back to life and attack her. By the way, sure. Yeah, but that's it's true. Like she just looks at his hand. We don't see that he's dead and decayed. You know. Look, man, I was surprised he didn't. And I'll talk about it in Quick Hitters. <laughs> um, but also, it would have been way more of a character moment for her. And um, and this is the same true with the revelation that she wanted to be a ballerina. Like, if these weren't being dragged out of her, if if she had any motivation in any of this, like, if she was interested at all with connecting with humanity or the past or thinking about what her life was like before she was a Borg, it would be a lot It'd do a lot more work than uh, Chicote basically has to fucking twist her arm to get her to say she used to want to be a ballerina. Yep. Yeah. Well, he felt, uh, you know, he had shared that great thing about paleontology. So yeah, it was yeah. only right that his subordinate have to do the exact same thing under orders. <laughs> uh, well, I gave it a 13 and you gave it a 13. So it oh. would have won last week. Yeah, last week it would have dominated. <laughs> um, but I do have some quick hitters. Okay, go for it. Um, they must have installed the Paramount Plus app in Chicote's quarters. <laughs> Just playing it's... too many sounds at once and glitching out. And it's so frustrating. Like, in the moment, you're, there's nothing that's more frustrating than this. This is the worst that anyone on the planet has it. That's what he, Paramount Plus does to me. He was trying Marjan to gets to... mad at me because I get so frustrated <laughs> by it. Yeah, no, for sure. Like... Um, you couldn't fix the TV that Paramount Plus broke. Chakotay's just no. going to have to move. That's right. He's going to get new quarters on another deck or something to get yeah. away from Paramount Plus. One of the 18 people who've died, he'll have to take their bedroom, I guess. Is that the number we're at? Is that what they say? I forget how many it is. It's it's too many. It doesn't make any sense, etc. But, yeah. you know, it is. however many it's been. Yep. Um, finally, someone says it. You don't have to stop and explore every damn thing. Seriously, she has. She, I think she has pointed that out before to Janeway. Like, why? Why are we doing this? 
So actually, it kind of doesn't make sense. She came in and had the same conversation. She should have just been like, I already know how this is going to go. <laughs> I'm going to get, actually, I'm going to get roped into this thing. I'm just going to be quiet and go back just to my fucking, my fucking alcove. Down. I'm going to go, yeah, no, science is great. And I'm going to go to fucking uh, astrometrics and just fuck around all day. I already really regret telling you that the Borg figured out a way to shield a torpedo to try and get in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying anything else. <laughs> Uh, Chakotay and Tom Paris went down to the Astrometrics lab to watch this John Kelly log, because I think they wanted to put it in fucking IMAX mode. Yep. But uh, it turned out it was a tiny 240i box, like a <laughs> live action video in, um, you know, mist. <laughs> yep. I was going to say, it's the it was definitely the type of thing that I will refuse to watch now in 2023. If that thing popped up on my screen, I go, don't care. Yeah, Don't like, care oh, we, what it is. We have a live action cutscene, but we actually can't display it full screen. Could so. be that could be a video of someone uh, handing me a big check for a hundred million dollars, and I ain't gonna <laughs> look at it because I can't. And I'm not gonna look at anything that small or that fucking low res. Yeah, so I guess they could have just watched it, uh, you know, at a regular computer on a tricorder. Yeah, or on a tricorder <laughs> would look just as good. Uh. Shmola says he's been to Arrakis, but it's not its not the one from Dune. This one's cold. Oh, okay. I didn't know maybe that was what they called Future Iraq. Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chakotay's first love was paleontology, but then responsibility got in the way. Yeah, man, the responsibility Did- to him. You, you know how uh, paleontologists are, like, wild. Yeah. Yes. Fucking. You can't be in the Maquis and be a paleontologist. <laughs> That's right. But it's like, did this dude make it all the way to Lieutenant Commander or whatever his final Starfleet rank was without getting to do any science? That doesn't make any sense. I thought that's basically all they do. Yeah. Yeah, it don't make sense. Anyway, he could have should have just told uh, Seven of Nine the truth. He wasn't good at math. And it turns out there's math in pretty much every science. He said, I figured in paleontology it wouldn't matter, but it did. I don't understand every, radiocarbon dating. And every night, that's the fight that I have. <laughs> it's, it's a big guy, and he's wearing a. It's on the back of his uh, robe. It says uh, "Advanced Mathematics," and I can't beat him. <laughs> but uh, it's okay because uh, Boothby's there. <laughs> yeah, Boothby's in my corner. He's my cut man. <laughs> um. I guess the Delta Flyer is just as big as the plot needs it to be. Just like every runabout, huh? Oh yeah, they were doing all kinds like of they, stuff in different when rooms. When they go back into the aft section, and it's got it's clearly like a spacesuit locker room plus a full medical lab. Yeah, they built a real beefy fucking shuttle. Yeah. When Seven made a joke to try and lighten the mood, Chicote was annoyed that he couldn't finish reading his coffee table book. When he makes his joke to lighten the mood, they're in mortal danger. But he still wants everyone to treat it like it's a fucking equivalent situation. He's such an asshole. Then he's like, it's a fucking joke, you get it? <laughs> it's like, he's he's, a, he's he making ruined his everything. my don't fuck with list. Seriously. Yeah, this is definitely a bad Chaco episode. Yeah. It's like, hey man, you're the reason everything is broken, and you just said it's all cool, let bygones be bygones, though no one else volunteered that. And then you said, I'm making a cool joke here, you get it? Tom Paris says, oh, we burned up all the thruster fuel, but I've got us within transporter range of the object, of the module. Hmm. But once Chakotay wakes up and wants to know where the module is, 
Seven says that's 300 meters off the port bow. <laughs> he didn't need that's, to get so close. That's in fucking tee shot range, my man. He didn't need to get quite that close, TP. Nick Locarno could have shot John Kelly's dead, deceased corpse with his, resol- <laughs> with his revolver <laughs> yep, in just, zero G. That's right. Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 300 meters, and he's got to move it closer. Poor Josh Halbert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had to hide that. By the you way, know. I fucking looked it back up, and Tom Paris's backstory is that he 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 crashed a shuttle and killed three officers in a in a shuttle accident, and then tried to cover it up. So that's it. They didn't even think of a new crime for him, really. God, um, God. Okay, so he's just a bad pilot, then. Yeah. This backstory is he's a bad pilot, but also he's the best. He's the only one for the job. The one that's always crashing the shuttle and killing people. You get that get that guy. Um Do we know if uh ah, did we name the character Rodney? Do we know if he transferred to Voyager? Randy? Randy from uh Do you want to change it to Rodney? Is Randy better? <laughs> well, maybe on Voyager it's the same character Rodney? but they renamed yeah. him so they don't have to pay, you know. Do you think anyone told him that they had beamed an astronaut from the 21st century aboard or when the when the honor guard was fucking walking that <laughs> torpedo tube through the, the halls he was like holy shit did chakotay die it's like they finally chaco finally beefed it i fucking knew it everybody gets a promotion what then when An he sees chaco from 2032 <laughs> he sees chaco walk into the fucking neelix's place or whatever fucking spits leola reads root stew all over his fucking table um Hey, it should have been the Nexus from Generations, right? Seven should have met John Kelly in the Nexus and talked mm. to him about exploration or something, and then yeah. he could have showed up with a gun to be a distraction and died in a canyon. <laughs> yeah, if the Nexus had eaten him, that would have been great. That would have been a great tie-in. And the fucking thing kind of looked like the Nexus, and it reappeared in space a hundred hundreds of years later. I thought, well, yeah, maybe they changed been... what the Nexus looks like. How come, how come no one ever brought the Nexus back? That was everyone's favorite bad plot device. It comes back in the Star Trek Online episode Beyond the Nexus. Well, I guess I'm not surprised it came back in SDO. Yeah. Uh, directed by Picardo. Uh, yeah. Yes. I I told you that last week when I was looking up the details. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the few things I was willing to spoil, was that it was directed by Picardo. I gave Best Actor to Seven of Nine when she was mad at Chakotay, and uh, Worst Actor to uh, Chakotay trying to decide exactly how injured he is on that bio bed. Yep. Is he paralyzed from the waist down, or <laughs> is he a little tired? <laughs> well, not only was it a bad episode for Chaco, it was a bad one for Beltran, too, I think. <clears throat> yeah. Did uh, you write even one quick hitter? Yeah, yeah. The uh, Like I said, the Ares pilot is a guy who's been in Star Trek a bunch and Babylon 5 and all kinds of shows. I was surprised he didn't appear later on, like, inside the anomaly, like... I've only been here for three days, or some sci-fi <laughs> shit. But they did get his dumb logs at the end, so that's still tracked. I mean, he would have had to die by the end of the episode, because they weren't going to be like... Nah, they weren't inviting him onto the show. <laughs> no, maybe even, he'd like... Or even, like, the two guys, they, the two people they ended up with from the fucking Equinox, or maybe it was more than two. Yeah, those people They're are never kicking around down again. there somewhere. <laughs> they're in, uh... They're, the real bad news is um, the only person on the ship that they are superior to is Harry Kim. 
They yeah. just, that's the only the only guy that they outrank at this point. And also, by the way, you know if they had brought if John Kelly had been alive and they'd brought him back, Janeway would have granted him the rank of lieutenant, his old rank. So uh, he also would have outranked Harry Kane. Yeah, or maybe he would have had a nebulous rank like seven, where he's just kind of in the in, in charge when Janeway's not in the room. Yeah. And no one questions it. No one's sure what to do. Hey, I, I heard Janeway referring to Seven as a cadre leader. Is that a rank <laughs> now? Is that, a, is that what we're doing here? I don't really where do I fit into that? I I'm, didn't feel um, like I was part of a cadre. So. I'm a lieutenant junior grade. Where does that compare to that? Uh, then uh, Seven told me that I was now 8 of 10, and I didn't know if that was good or bad. <laughs> uh, that's it for quick ones for me. All righty. Well, like I said, 26. So what a one last week. Yeah. Second place last week was Deep Space Nine. That is baffling when you cast your mind back and remember that last week's TNG episode was Time Zero. But yeah, it is crazy, what it is. crazy. That Time Zero was a weak winner. <laughs> I mean, really, so lucky by Time Zero to be in the same week as those other two shitty episodes. Um, so we're gonna talk about Deep Space Nine next. This week we watched Behind the Lines. <laughs> Okay, a plot. You know what they've been doing this, except for the one that was no, even that one was an a plot, b plot. They've all been something on Terok Noor, something out in space. Um, we got two more in this arc, so yeah. Uh, Cisco and crew were unwinding after some combat, drinking in the replomat or whatever they call that thing on the Defiant. You got this one as a plot because it comes first in the show, don't, huh? Don't don't worry. Um, look. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sentence later that says, you know what? This is officially the B-plot. Okay. Anyway. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. You told me to get out of your notes. Yeah, get, get the fuck out. Uh, they do a dumb war ceremony with a spent phaser power cell. Uh, Cisco is oh so inspiring. And then um, Admiral Ross comes in and takes Cisco for a walk. And he tells him about a huge fucking sensor array the Dominion's been using to spy on Starfleet ship movements. And as soon as they knock that thing out, then I'm sure everything's going to be all good. They're going to win this war. They said it was in the Argolis cluster, and that's weird to me because I thought that's where the big sensor array was in TNG. I thought it was too, because then the I, started saying, I started saying the Argolis array, and then I was like, is that a real thing, though? That is. is that already in the show? Maybe we need to check that out. So did out. they just take over? A set? If they just took it over, Starfleet should have known. Should they should have known it was there for sure. That should that's not the have one been that, a surprise. Oh, hey, we the finally that, figured out how they got how the, they keep being ahead of us. No, it's not that their leaders can change their shape and appear to be anyone they want and just go into a meeting and say, hey, uh, remind me again, where's the 7th uh, task force going? <laughs> okay, good. I have, you know, my memory these days is not so good. All right, humans forever. Peace out. Yeah, it's true. They did sort of, just by saying that one thing about the big sensor array, they did kind of ask us to to change our own backstory for why these guys are um, Listen, they don't pay so scary for the fucking dangerous. shape-shifting effect anymore. They did a little bit this week. They don't pay for the shape-shifting effect anymore, so we should just forget that the founders can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the array that the Cardis were so mad they were getting spied on uh, with in that alternate timeline. Right? Was that that array? The one uh, honestly, where I don't know. Jordy beefs it because Worf doesn't know how to use the panel? Oh, shit, maybe it was that one. Anyway, uh, once I said it out loud, once I said Argolis Array, I went, why do I call it that? Is that already <laughs> a thing? <laughs> um, 
Anyway, it's Cisco's job to knock it out. And Cisco suggests taking the Defiant through uh, through the Argolis sector itself, which is full of gravimetic, gravimetric disturbances. Uh, the Jump Hunter won't see that coming. I mean, unless that array detects them. Gotta watch out for that. I mean, you do. Um, <laughs> I guess later, you can read through the fucking nebula or whatever. I guess not. Uh, later, Ross tells Cisco that he's being promoted. Yay! Cisco's going to be his uh, chief adjutant. Um, Cisco is grumpy about that because it means he's uh, he can't be the captain of the Defiant anymore. He's got to stay at the desk and look at reports and stuff. It's the Argus array. Ah, okay. Well, that's so, the one with the Cytherians. Oh, well, then which is the one that's spying on the Cardis in the the name of the one where Worf goes to all the different dimensions? <laughs> Um, oh, Parallels. It's in parallels. parallels. It also appears in the Nth Degree. Oh, so it's the same array. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, Cisco goes to see off uh, the Defiant on their scary mission. Uh, later, Worf little leagues his way into this episode with a Zoom call to Cisco. They haven't heard from Dax and the Defiant yet, so everyone's worried. And that's when I say, you know what? This is officially the B-plot. Uh, Dax does come back with the Defiant, and the mission was a big success. Bashir tries to get Dax to wingman for him at their big celebration. Dax does the big phaser power cell ceremony this time. And Cisco looks on, proud and also jealous. And then he and Ross go back to work doing desk stuff. Desk pops, probably. <laughs> I mean, Cisco's never done one before. That's right. All right, A-plot. The real, for real, the A-plot this time. Uh, Kira and Rom are spying on Damar. They do some... Uh, some role-playing and lip-reading, all about how DeMar can't find his secret memorandum he's been drafting. All about how... Yeah. Sorry. Now that you said that, I just... uh, I would have liked this episode way more if they'd done some armed and dangerous style (laughs) lip-reading. About the cocktail wieners? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that is... Throwing some voices around would have been much better. Um, I mean, just, you know... That's pure John Candy. had John Candy and Levy in it to begin with. That was pretty good. Pure John Candy in that scene. That had to be ad libbed. <laughs> it sounded just like John Candy. Um. Uh, anyway, yeah. So this is all taking place at Quarks, and uh, anyway, it's uh, all about this memorandum he's been drafting that he can't find. All about how they're gonna have to poison the last supplies of Ketracel White and kill all the Jem'Hadar if they can't get reinforcements from the Gamma Quadrant. And I guess the Jem'Hadar accidentally found it thanks to Rom. And uh, they come up to Damar, and a big bar fight ensues. I mean, it started as a bar fight, but they're straight up putting blankets over corpses and shit at the end. So, shit escalated. Yeah. Um, Wayun and Dukat put on a friendly face to make people feel like nothing. it's no big deal. Nothing to see here. Odo's mad at Kira because he thought he had vetoed this plan, but she tells him he's not the fucking boss. Yeah. they, They did it anyway. And Kira's mad at Odo for putting the station security and, like, Bajor's safety over the movement. Well, this is her lesson from last week when that Vedic hanged herself, right? Yes. Well, that was the week before. Two weeks ago. last week, the lesson she learned was um, when she got swept up in that dress that Ducat got her. But she had already gotten to the point where she's like, oh, yeah, order is not really a good goal in and of itself. But mm-hmm. Odo ain't there yet, because also no. this is his main personality flaw. 
Yes, right. We've been talking about justice and order all the well, time. Okay. He's the law and order Up candidate. until the end of this episode, his main personality <laughs> yes. flaw is putting order yes. above justice. Then he does have another personality flaw that, that pops up. It's true. Uh, anyway, in the middle of their argument, that changeling lady from before walks in. You know, yeah. you remember her. She's the, been around. The founder, basically. Mm-hmm. Odo speaks to her alone. She, um, she says she's come to make peace with Odo. He doesn't sound that interested in that. Uh, later, the Lady Changeling walks into a meeting between Dukat, Wayun, and Odo, and uh, she brushes off Dukat, and she's she wants him to get that minefield down, fucking ASAP. Then she walks with Odo to his quarters, and he already seems a lot more comfortable around her. Yep, he had one <laughs> second to think about it. Mm-hmm. They talk about Kira, and like, because you remember when she was Kira that one time. Yeah, she did. She did become Kira one time. He's probably working up the courage to ask her to do it again. That's right. Oh, you know, there's a little bit of that going on inside the Great Link or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh huh. She uh, offers to give him clarity by by linking with him, and Odo is crazy horny for it, and they just go to town right there. Oh, well, gooey perverts. I mean, we've talked about this. It's coded as sex, and the time yeah. that Odo finally does have sex with a solid, he still does a bunch of this stuff to her. Mm-hmm. so true. like it's hard it's to sex. take it another way yep they're gooey perverts doing nasty business right there in front of us Kira goes looking for Odo and finds Damar at his desk these two fuckers hate each other and they got some mean banter but uh, he tells her where she can find Odo with the lady change thing yep uh, Odo admits that he linked with her and Kira is pissed off cause she's worried Odo's being manipulated by her and also like I don't know. What if she finds out about their their little resistance movement? Uh-huh. Yeah. And Odo does sound nuts. He screams anything is possible and then form of Griffin and screams <laughs> through the cosmos in front of her. <laughs> he also says he can stop the whole war, maybe? Uh-huh. By, like, just fucking this lady just right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got it like, uh, like all virgins. <laughs> he thinks that he can heal with his steel. That's right. He promises Kira he won't link with her again, but neither one of them believes that. Seems pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> By yeah, the yeah. looks they're giving each other in that yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she's still upset when it happens again later, but... Yeah. At Quark's, uh, Damar comes in, ready to celebrate now. Says he's gonna be promoted. He's got some good fucking news, and uh, Quark wants to dig in a little bit, and he starts drinking with him, and... Damar's pretty sloppy, huh? Yeah. Just got his uh, pad stolen, and I made that big fight happens, and now he's going to spill the beans to Quark the bartender? They went a little light with it in this episode, but it was their intention that Damar has a drinking problem because he's mm. developing a conscience about the Dominion. Oh. Well, we know he doesn't like the Dominion. That's we know he doesn't like the Dominion, but yeah. I don't think they get it across. But yes, he's extremely sloppy. He's but very Because sloppy. he doesn't really get any comeuppance for it in this episode, I think it, it doesn't come across clearly as a problem that he's having. Yeah. It's not, they're not doing Stims level stuff about it. No, he's not as important as Stims yet. No. Yeah. Uh, at the uh, resistance meeting, uh, Kira goes out of her way to appease Odo about causing another big incident. And then Quark walks in hella drunk. He says, it, uh, running the bar is not fun anymore. He doesn't like the Cardis and he doesn't like the Jemadar. And he's, he's ready to throw in his lot with these dummies. But he tells him the bad news. Damar knows how to deactivate the mines, and they're going to start field testing right away. They managed to get Quark to remember how Damar said he'd do it, 
it's like I use an anti-graviton beam. Yeah, but there's some farce the in there about defectors that makes Rom nervous, <laughs> and that that's a couple of minutes that they could have thrown to showing us that Damar's a problem drinker. Yeah, that's true, but they, they went with levity instead. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not sure it's the best choice, but I do like Rom. Um, an anti-graviton beam can isolate the mines one by one for deactivation. Um, in order to stop this from happening, uh, again, because like you said, they're going to use the deflector dish. They're going to have to disable the deflector array, and Odo's going to have to disable some fucking alarms first. This is going to be like a solid snake fucking bullshit mission happening here. They plan to start their business first thing in the morning, but Odo and the Lady Changeling hang out in his quarters again that night, and um, he peppers her with questions about the Great Link, and she keeps trying to get him to Link again, and at first he refuses because of Kira. Um, But the next day, uh, you get some play acting with Rom and Kira to get the mission started where he's delivering her fucking, what's he delivering to her? Is it a fruit basket or something? Yeah, he's got a fruit basket to hide his tools. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, they know Odo definitely won't fail to disarm those pesky alarms when they get started. But, uh oh man, Odo isn't in his office again. And he ignores her calls that he can clearly hear because he's getting gooey with the new missus. Kira tries to warn Rom, but is briefly delayed by Damar, and so, of course, the second before she calls Rom, he trips the alarm, and he is nabbed by Damar himself. Whoops. Kira stomps down to Odo's quarters and barges in, shouting at Odo. He says, Overslept, man. Chill out. Everything's gonna be crescent fresh. <laughs> he says the war has nothing to do with him now, and also their friendship no longer matters. And there's no, he doesn't say whether their whole cell is compromised, but since the lady changeling walks out afterward, Babylon 5 style, like Uh from behind the wall, I'm guessing this lady knows about all of that stuff. Yep. The end. Oh, boy. Uh, A lot of plot, for sure, but what was this, was there a message? Was this episode trying to say anything? I don't know, man. What, um... What ties us? So here's what we got. We have two parts. Cisco has to let go and watch Dax run off with his ship and crew. It's either about he has to trust that she's going to be okay, that they're all going to be okay, or it's about growing up and having to take a responsibility and not doing what you like. Do you know what I mean? Because you're needed elsewhere. Either way, no matter whether it's either one of those, the B-plot is the opposite. Yeah. If it's about trust... Uh, well, Odo is, it turns out not to be trustworthy. He betrays everyone's trust. If it's about taking, uh, taking responsibility instead of, uh, doing what you want to do. Well, Odo does the opposite of that one too. Yeah. So like, I've got it at a one for fucking themes of trust. Sure. Uh, But. That's probably the thinnest one I've ever given an episode. <laughs> yeah. It's just there's so much that happens that is momentous in this that I... No, it's a zero. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I have been studying it for seven days. I had the computer analyze it. I swear to you, it does not mean a thing. Very nice. Uh, Okay. Hey, sometimes it's um, it's easier on the rubric if you don't try to connect them. 
and I discarded <laughs> Cisco. You just threw out the a, the B plot because oh. uh, you know what is it? No, it's got nothing to do with the other part. It's it's um again halfway through I was like I don't even need this part of the episode. Anyway, I have uh, the personal and the political are hard to separate. Uh, Kira and Odo are engaged in a cosmic struggle for the Alpha Quadrant, but still. Odo being messed up about Kira and messed up about his people ends up causing the downfall of their little cell, which, uh, at least it seems in this episode, which could have dire consequences for the whole Alpha Quadrant, given the mind situation. I say that they're hard to separate, not that it can't be done, because the last two episodes were about Kira overcoming some personal urges and yep. theoretically rededicating herself to the struggle, but Odo fails his big test. Um, So... Uh, I actually have that as a five because, uh, you know, I, we, I took an international relations class and like the opening chapter of the textbook was about how you study international relations. And one of the things that they were talking about was how the assumption is made that all states are rational actors. And when I read that sentence, I just laughed because as we know, uh, States, especially if they're controlled by a small number of people or one person, are not rational actors at all. Right. And it, it's kind of like you have to accept that to do the study of international relations the way that people want you to do it. But like it doesn't make any fucking sense because we know that people get their shit mixed up. And I think what this episode is saying is uh, things in history happen where you look back and go, why the fuck did they do that? That doesn't make any sense. Look at all these dire consequences. Look at all the bad things that happen after that. And sometimes it's just like, they had some per bad personal shit going on. Yeah. And they were trying to fix their personal shit. And the other shit didn't really matter to them. And you get to see Odo do that in this episode where he's like, I got a lot of stuff that I'm working on. And the Alpha Quadrant's just going to have to get by. Don't really care about that. Yeah. So yeah. it's a nice reminder if you need it or if it makes sense coming from DS9 that uh, sometimes those things are more linked than we want to give them credit for. Uh, that you can your personal shit can mess up. Uh, I don't know all of history or whatever if you do it just right. Uh, I've been working through the backlog of the China History podcast, mm -hmm. and um, uh, I've gotten to a ten-part series about the Warlord era. Yeah, um, you know the sort of twenty years between the end of the Qing Dynasty and. The, the rise of second the second Sino-Japanese War or whatever, you know, yeah. the, the World War II essentially, right? Which after after World War II led, you know, eventually to the Communist Party. But uh, that is definitely a story of a lot of people who made a lot of bad personal decisions <laughs> and threw away power. Like all, almost all of these warlords had a downfall that was at least in the, you know, canonical historical telling of it due to personal stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, also, lots of people just throughout history, you know, like the stories are familiar, which is why I laughed so hard when I read that opening chapter of that textbook, because I was like, that's, it's just something we know not to be true. And we know people's shit gets all mixed up and they fuck up in a big way that causes a lot of bad things to happen. And, um, and so you get sort of a, you get an example of that with a main character that you've been spending some time with. Well, how do you feel it did? Uh, execution wise 
So as always, the stuff on the station is much better than whatever Cisco's fucking party is doing out in space. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't. Cisco and Dax wisecracking and shooting aliens is not that interesting, but like. This one has all the good actors on the show. It's got subterfuge and twists and personal failings and all the stuff that the other plots never have. So while the paragons of Starfleet are off fighting to the bitter end somewhere and the in-betweeners are left to keep the Alpha Quadrant safe from invasion, that's when all the good stuff happens. I wish Garrick could be in this side of the plot, but he couldn't because Dukat would airlock him immediately. But Yeah. That's unfortunate, but this because this is the side of the plot where he belongs. Yeah, that's his kind of storyline. Um and honestly, they could have spent the 12 minutes of Cisco plot on more Terok Nor stuff, but everyone has to be in every episode, even Worf zooming in for game night. So, Do you want to know what the original B-plot was going to be? What? Uh, Dax gets this command and uh, gets out there and becomes way too bloodthirsty. Oh. Yeah. Just because uh, this dang space war or what? Yeah, just because of this dang, or discovers something about herself that she doesn't like out there. Yeah. Uh. Well, that could have been something. It could have been something, but it said they did this Cisco thing where he can't yeah. sleep. Also, Odo's betrayal makes sense given his personal issues, but it comes in at fucking warp nine in this oh, one. Oh, it does, yeah. They did not slow build this at all. In the beginning, the, the lady changing walks in and he's like, fuck you. And then 10 minutes later, he's like, but we have to fuck again. Yeah, it is, he, it is weird because it 100% makes sense. Odo is... Uh, the fucking most selfish character yeah. in this show. He is Remember 100- when he like <laughs> he did the whole uh, Omarian Nebula? He just like yep left everyone there to beef it at the hands of the Jem'Hadar and just took Kira in a shuttle to the Omarian Nebula or whatever. Yeah, or in Children of Time when he doomed an entire planet full of people because <laughs> he has and, a good thing and for himself Kira. so that his past self would have a chance to get with Kira. Yes. Yeah, that's him for sure. He's not a good dude. No, he's, you know. Where do you, um, he had authoritarian tendencies and he conflated order and justice and yeah. lots of stuff, right? But theoretically, he was learning from that. But you know. Yeah, he's had a tough upbringing. It's, um, it kind of makes sense that he doesn't get anything right. Um, But anyway, so that was just all very fast. He bangs his chick twice and then he goes, solids don't even count. Like, they aren't even, like, real people. So it's fine. Yeah, they have a thing where in the beginning he fucking breaks down and says he wishes he didn't care about Kira. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, that wish has been accomplished. Yeah. Uh, and through what medium? Sex. Yeah, um, I appreciate that Rom doesn't just barely escape like you'd expect in most episodes. He's actually easily captured because that's how things actually go when your plan is totally betrayed. Uh-huh. He's also ancillary enough of a character that his life could theoretically be in jeopardy. Though, yeah, you we would know still probably not. we know it's not gonna be. But yeah, like, you would still probably right. bet in the moment that he wouldn't die. But there was at least be a chance because he's just he's like the ninth character on the show or whatever. Yeah, they could afford to lose Rom. It would be like it'd be big for Nog and Quark, and it would be big for the audience because that's someone you've grown to like because they give him all the comedy bits and everything. So if he beefed it, you'd be like, oh, this space war serious. Oh yeah, because it's been like four full seasons since he tried to put Quark on an airlock. <laughs> No, the writers insist that never happened. The, the, the DS9 writers insist he's always been a good dude who just, like, is just kind of a dork. All right? So don't watch the first season. I don't know. I mean, he was already this way. But, like, by the, the first time you said, Moogie, you were like, <laughs> all right, well, 
we just have to forget about the early stuff, huh? Yeah, that's right. Too um, lovable. Overall, I enjoy the episode because again, it's got all that stuff that happens in the the Tarok Noir plots. But there were some some missteps for sure. So I have it as six. Yeah, I have this one as a four. <laughs> um, this is a LeVar Burton episode. Okay. And maybe that's why the character work and the acting is mostly okay. Yeah. I thought the biggest problem was that ultimately we don't really understand what Odo's feeling. And so we have no way to frame his betrayal. Okay. Like, he doesn't really talk. He just says stuff like, you wouldn't understand. Sure. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that means we don't get to understand it. Yeah, he says to Kira that she wouldn't understand because she's just fucking solid. Yeah. And the police said that, like, you weren't even, you're not even, like, a real person. You're not supposed to be there. So it's it's fine. Yeah. But they didn't run. Uh, it's nice to see the beginning of a personality for Damar. Yeah. Like, he really just sneered through the first few episodes of this season. But this time, I mean, he's been in it for a while Kira. too. He's remember he was like Ducat's dumb weapons officer when he was doing yep. his Klingon ship crusade thing seasons ago. Yep. Um, it's nice to see that Quark misses the Federation, but it's so totally unmotivated. Yeah. Like I get that the Cardassians are assholes, but like he's he's so creeped out by the Jem'Hadar because they just stand there and look at him, and it's like. I don't know, man. Every time I see these guys, they're like big golden retrievers. <laughs> Do you know what <laughs> that, I mean? I mean, we had a lot of fun with them in that episode where they had to work together to chop those other Jem'Hadar. There was that guy up there talking to Dax, uh-huh. giving great performance about how crazy it was that she was so old. Yep. And when she's like, how old are you? Like fucking 19? He's like, what? No, no, no. Ain't nobody lived that long. Uh, so I'm just in a weird place this episode where I didn't hate it, but there aren't a lot of specific things that I liked about it. Okay. Like, I can't... There's not a lot to call out. I gave it a four, in general. Well, we're getting pretty far apart. We are. On this one. <laughs> we are. Uh, a world building. Uh, sensor arrays that can detect cloaked ships. Uh, yep. Protostar clusters that you can't navigate. The seventh tactical wing. The first, maybe the first idea, the first appearance of adjutants in Starfleet, unless you think that's what Remick was, and then maybe Shelby. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I don't how think they I've, called them that. I was gonna say I don't know how they're described, but I don't remember yeah. that. Uh, Twenty-seven is a good vintage for Kanar anti-graviton beams. Uh, the, the we learn a lot of, when Odo starts asking questions. We learn a lot of stuff about the changelings and the Great Link, and they mm. they're like. Half a gestalt entity in a way that she doesn't really clearly explain to the point where I think he's I think he was trying to ask if when she went into the link and came out, if she was the same being. Yeah. And her answer to that was just the bullshit drop becomes the ocean. The ocean becomes the drop. So we still I still don't really know. But like they clearly have a pretty different, uh, you know, life experience. Mm hmm. Um, they're running out of white out there. Yeah. There's a founder trapped on this side. We're told there are thousands of ships on the other side of the wormhole, though we don't know how anybody knows that. Maybe they can still communicate through it. That's fucking Mind hard to say. Minefield wouldn't stop communication, right? Yeah, so if you could 
if you could send a signal through, which I think we've seen them do. They do. They they tight beam signals through the wormhole, right? Yeah. So you could. It's always open that. enough that they can send a signal through. I think. Yeah. Uh, so actually I actually thought there was kind of a lot of world building. I gave it a six. Okay. Yeah, we got like silly war ceremonies and on the, the spent phaser power cells. We get um, Damar's earnest recommendations about murdering all the Jem'Hadar become public. So that's cool. Yeah, although it's nothing that uh, that, that other Vorta wouldn't have said. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, when you get into a tough enough situation, well, everyone's solution is just to kill all the Jem'Hadar. And in fact, sure. there's no suggestion that Wayun A, disagrees with Damar, yeah. or B, is mad about it. He just wishes that it hadn't come out and that the relations were a little better. Yeah. Uh, the Argolis Array... The seventh tactical wing is commanded by Ross's former adjutant now, and he himself is only in command of a tactical wing, it sounds like. So sounds like that his former adjutant got the job on his level. Cisco's working on the Bolian operation. Don't know what that is. Uh, the changelings don't have names, and there's no clear answer about their individuality, I said. Odo says the link isn't about information exchange. It's just vibes or something. <laughs> kind of say that uh saurian brandy is against the regs um i have it as a five all right yeah i guess we are still six points apart going into uh characterization did you give it a lot of points for characterization Eh, it's pretty i give it a down the middle five i see um kira's all up in damar's head um She's mad at Odo for maybe being swayed by the Lady Changeling, but she's also, I think, supposed to be worried about Odo as well. Not yes. just about him giving up the game, but, like, that... I th- I don't know if it really comes across. That's the thing I was kind of eh on. But I think we're supposed to think that she's worried about him personally as well. Uh, and then she's in utter shock by Odo's turn in the end. Um, Quark is collateral damage in this resistance ploy in the beginning. They tear up his whole bar and push him around yeah. and stuff. Maybe that's another reason why he throws his lot in with the resistance at the end. Because <laughs> how bad that all went. I mean, do, do you think he doesn't know? Yeah, maybe. He, I guess he doesn't know that they orchestrated They didn't tell that. him ahead of time, for sure. Uh, Damar. Uh, Damar's a savage, I guess. He's just like, Dear Wayun and Dukat, please poison all the Jem'Hadar. Humbly, Damar. <laughs> Yo, you it's think like, he wrote humbly? It's like, dang, man. <laughs> Uh, Wayun is always so diplomatic, thinking about how things might appear. Cisco doesn't like his promotion because it takes him off the bridge and onto a desk or whatever. Uh, Dukat's charm is lost on the Lady Changeling in one of his only scenes in the episode. Every interaction between Odo and Kira is personal, whether it's station business or planning terrorist attacks. I guess they can't help it. Um... Odo begins this episode angry at the Lady Changeling, but by episode's end, they're obviously quite close. In the middle, he talks to her about his crush, and he bangs her a couple of times, then he tells Kira to get lost, so that's too big a shift too quickly for our uh, our boy Odod. <laughs> um, some good ROM stuff in the Resistance meeting. He's glad he's not the defector Quark was talking about, and then Quark mocks him about not, not knowing about the anti-graviton beam. The fruit basket bit. They're figuring out how to use him. Um, so I think it's mostly good, but Odo's big turn felt rushed, which is why I have it as a five. Okay. Um, 
Well, I had it as a two. Okay. Cisco has been a station commander and sent out little runabout and defiant missions all the time. Yeah. So I don't understand why he's so uncomfortable about stepping up to adjutant and sending Dax out. And no one tries to explain it. Yeah. He just he's, says that he he had he had gotten used to being in command of this mission or whatever. There's like there t- there's some sense in Starfleet. Well, so okay, so Kirk wants to be on a starship. He he wasn't happy being an admiral. He took command of the Enterprise again as soon as he could, right? No, that's what that's what the motion picture's about, and that's what Star Trek Two was about. Yeah, Picard turns down commandant of the Academy. He wants to keep being a starship captain. Mm-hmm. So, as we all know, Riker's the guy who wants to be a starship captain. Well, yeah, we are told that. <laughs> So I guess we're just supposed to assume that's why Cisco doesn't want this desk job. But yeah. like Cisco's whole shit has been desk job. Yeah. He took a desk job. So to be fair, he never seemed very happy about that He's either. But I wasn't sure like if it was because job. it was a desk, just yeah. because it was <laughs> shitty Cardi station. It never seemed like the thing that he was missing was command of a starship. Sure. Uh also don't understand. Why Worf would think Cisco's worries about the Defiant would be even stronger than his own worries about his fiance. Yeah, they got Worf pop in and say, "Uh, um, yeah, maybe you heard anything? No, well, you, you're probably even more worried." What? Yeah, yeah. It's not like Alexander was on that ship. Uh huh. Then he'd be like, "Everyone in the galaxy is more worried than I am about this mission." <laughs> Kira is terrible at running a resistance. Sure. Everyone in that cell deserves to be caught for their lack of precautions. <laughs> yep. And she runs her whole mouth in front of the founder at the end. Yeah. And that doesn't make much sense that she's so bad at it. No, it's, it is crazy that she walks in and she like, she doesn't scan for the founder. She doesn't do anything. She just like, it starts yelling at Odo. Did she like, hey, not tell everybody about the time his dad fucking busted in and told a hologram his big <laughs> secret? No, I won't tell everyone about your big secret about your genetic manipulation. <laughs> big ol' like doing quotes, even though there's no need because it's real. Um, but like that's not the only example. Like, first of all, having Jake involved, big, big yeah. risk. Having Rom involved, pretty big risk. Honestly, I would definitely have used Jake as a way to further my schemes. I just would have sent him off to do random crazy shit. Yeah, not involved him in any of the planning. But also, just like. Standing up on the balcony with Rom, narrating what's going to happen <laughs> as these this thing walks in. Like, not only are Odo they... has cameras all over this station, and Damar has access to his office. What are you doing? Not only are they just talking openly about it, they're not even sitting at the table pretending to have a drink. They're like standing up, looking at it, watching everything happening under. Tenting their fingers like Mr. Burns. Yeah, it's not good at all. That's true. So should they? Everyone deserves to be caught. Yeah. And like I said before, Oda moves very fast, and he doesn't say much more than you wouldn't understand. So I thought mm-hmm. everyone was perplexing this time, except okay. maybe Quark and Ram and Jake. And that's yeah. why I gave it a two. Okay. Uh, well, what about quick ones? Uh, yeah, sure. I thought at the start of this episode that Cisco had Nog serving drinks at a party. But uh, now nah, he just had something special for his war buddies, huh? Uh, yeah, yep. Um, did you read that 
seen all of these scenes with the ceremonies as taking place in a particular bar on Starbase 357 or somewhere on the Defiant. I thought it was on the Defiant, but I guess it could have been on the on the Starbase. So me too, I thought it was on the Defiant. And so I also assumed that those power cells fall off the wall and roll around the floor every <laughs> single day. That's definitely the first thing I thought was they must have to put them right back up. It's some fucking crewman's job to fucking put those things back up on the wall every time. That's like O'Brien's too fucking busy to build a little dolly that you would use for like welding gas tanks. <laughs> just a little or rack or something. Yeah, just something. They just got to lean them up against the wall. You're very but like haphazard. Three feet off the ground, so that they're gonna fucking fall off and roll all over. Yep, for sure. Also, there must not be any kind of dangerous chemicals or materials in these spent weapons power cells, huh? Well, I would hope not, but you never know with these fucking idiots. They might still just be. They might be dangerous as hell, and they're still just propping them against the wall. Also, I guess you can't recharge them, huh? No, <laughs> those are done. <laughs> or put this out. This is something we don't just throw away. Yeah, no, you stick it back in the uh, matter reclamator, and then you can use it to make a new one. <laughs> now they're going to pile up fucking dozens of those things. Yeah. Just, just hang on to them. They're like, hey, the Defiance replicator budget's real weird. We keep having to add extra matter to it. <laughs> can anyone think of a reason why that might be? Yeah. Um. <sighs> uh, yeah, so you know what's a great way? to give up an unexpected advantage like say finding a pad containing Cardassian plans to poison the last ration of Catracel White hmm. would be uh, narrating openly the exact sequence of events that brought it about in the main public area of the station <laughs> staffed almost exclusively by profit hungry aliens with excellent hearing it's who true. would love to get on Damar's good side or Dukat's or Wayunes depending on how the wind is blowing sure yeah sure uh huh imagine doing your Imagine doing your scheming and planning in the area where the Ferengis live. Yeah, it's not a great idea, for sure. Oh, and Odo's office, too. Everyone just talks about this rebellion out loud on a station crewed by the Star Trek culture with the most intrusive and omnipresent intelligence apparatus yet. Yeah, and last week they were just walking on the promenade talking about how it was time to start a big resistance, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, by the way, this is fucking typical Starfleet. Give Ross's adjutant the 7th tactical wing, not someone who's been out in the field, and then line your buddy up as your new adjutant and make oh, sure yeah. and make sure that he tells him the last one got the nod because of your recommendation. It's fucking That's all right. politics. It's That's all right. an old boys network in Starfleet. <laughs> That's true. Cisco should be lucky. He should feel lucky. He's uh he's somehow wormed his way in with the right guy, I guess. Uh, we get it, Odo. Love is a disease that gets your nipples all electrocuted. We already talked about that one. <laughs> yeah, we went quite in-depth in Voyager on that one. The chick was 90s hot. We all remember. Uh, <laughs> yes. Odo's talking out of both sides of his mouth here. He thinks the founder can't have any hidden motives because he would have sensed them. But mm. also that the yes. founder didn't find out anything about the resistance in the link. And maybe yeah. he can get through to her about the war in there. Like, uh -huh. what does he think the link is? How does he think it works? Yeah. He, Forget he whether is. it's true or false. What What's the model of it in his mind that he thinks he's successfully kept the resistance from her, but also she can't be hiding anything from him? Yeah, dude, he don't know. He don't know any of it. He's just so, arguing. He's just thinking with his dick, dude. Sometimes there are people that just argue, and that's why their arguments don't make any sense, because they're just <laughs> arguing because they like to argue. Um, I guess Damar must have been a Glynn this whole time, huh? 
gets promoted yeah. to Gull in this episode. I thought he was already there. I mean, like, I know they don't want sense. him to be a Gull under another Gull, but Dukat was briefly the head of all of Cardassian military, and he gave himself the Gull title as a weird modesty play. Yeah. Or as yeah. we really know, because the writers thought people would be too confused. What do you mean Gull's not his first name? <laughs> his name's Scrain. Have you guys not read the Bible? His name's Scrain Dukat. Um, yeah, I assumed he would be too, just because for the thing you were just describing about Ross. I mean, he's in good with Dukat, who's like running yeah. the whole war. You, yeah, I would definitely think Damar would have been promoted by now, but oh well. Um, and then, yeah, of course, the solution to the fucking minefield is the deflector. Despite the fact that it has a very obvious and understandable name. The, the, the deflector can do whatever is required of it. So, yeah, yeah. that's that's going to be it the always has. the minefield problem. Yeah. At least since TNG days. I don't know if TOS did the same deflector business. I don't think they did. I don't think so on t- Starting on TNG, the deflector just kind of did whatever you needed it to. I mean, the, is the first one is best of both worlds, right? But then they're yeah. like, let's reconfigure the deflector to shoot pure energy. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, no. Never mind. I guess it's in Farpoint. Oh, yeah, they are, they they're fucking, already shooting stuff out of there. When they fucking zip the Nadarians, some sure. fucking tasty space energy. Uh, they need it. Or do they do um, the phasers in that one? No, nah, I think it's, I think you're right. I think they shoot, they shoot on some energy out of the, uh, out of the deflector dish so that the, they can't be zorned anymore. That's right. Won't be zorned again is the name of that episode, actually. <laughs> they, they re, when they re-released it in high def, they changed the name of the episode. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, I give Best Actor to probably Kira this week. And for Worst Actor, I don't think anyone really fucked the dog, but I don't get Admiral Ross yet. He's like Lieutenant Murtaugh, but not funny. Yeah. Be funnier. Be more like Murtaugh. Yeah. That's right. Be a boob like Murtaugh so we can laugh. He's got like a ton of scenes where he's watching Cisco prevaricate and be worried about something when he needs him to be somewhere else, but like, he doesn't do anything. Or say yeah. anything about it, really. There's just a well, lot of scenes of him watching Cisco and not nothing is happening on his face. I guess we'll have to track it and see if he ever develops a character. Yeah, I mean, does he have about two episodes left before he becomes a real background character, too? I mean, it, look, spoiler alert, you're not necessarily going to know this if you're watching in real time, but that guy definitely is around a hundred times okay. in the last <laughs> couple of seasons. So, going to be a they lot of They just fucking added balls. another permanent member to the cast. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Do you have some quick hitters? Uh, nah, man, I was uh, too busy furiously typing the plot of the episode. All right, well, that one's a 33. Okay, all right, so, so it, the winner so it, far, though, I know we were pretty different on that one. It beat Voyager. We were, we were nine points apart on that one. That's not, yeah. that's not amazing, but, um, you know, there is room for times there to get in there. It does, it would have to score better than 33 is going to be the thing, but yep. that's what we're discussing next is TNG. Uh, specifically, Time's Arrow Part 2. Alright, after the recap, which ends with everybody silently filing into the space anus, just like last time, mm-hmm. we pick up with Mark Twain telling some reporter all about time travel out on the streets of San Francisco and uh, giving the game away that future people are there among them. He uh, follows Data past the old Snake Cane murderers, but we don't see where anyone's going because we cut to the credits there. Yeah. Um, 
And after the credits, we're not with them anymore. We are with Riker and Crusher, and they're in the collar ward of some hospital. And Riker's dressed up as an old-timey cop, and I'm sorry I said he had a bobby helmet. He doesn't. It's a different <laughs> dumb old-timey cop idea. <laughs> sure. And she's dressed as, um, I don't know, a widow? I'm not <laughs> sure what this first out. Later she'll be dressed explicitly as a nurse, but not this time. Yeah, not at first. Um... She tells Riker that all of the victims have been depleted of electrochemical energy. They didn't die of cholera. They became the food in the space cave. Yeah. Uh, next, we go to a sitting room where everyone's dressed up in 1890s clothes. And Picard's the least dressed up, I guess, so we know he's a man of the people. Yeah. Uh, and in this sitting room, Riker and Beverly reveal the aliens' dastardly plan to Picard. Uh, they all check in with Jordy. He's been sending out random pings on a tricorder trying to find data. Um, but I guess the range is limited. Uh, yeah, for for plot reasons. Yes. It is it is limited. It's weird that a tricorder can't broadcast far enough to talk to Data's brain. Yeah. Anywhere. It's just San Francisco. It's not a, geographically a very large city, but That's whatever. Right. <laughs> and it, it wouldn't have been then either. So. Yeah. Um, their landlady comes knocking. She's looking for the rent. I guess they've been there a week. It's not clear. Yeah. Uh, he pretends that they're rehearsing for a new production of Midsummer Night's Dream. She tells him they have 24 hours to get her her rent or they're out on their asses. The bellboy, Jack London. Right. Let's Mark Twain into Data's hotel room <laughs> to look for a made up letter. I just love that sentence that the bellboy, Jack London, lets Mark Twain into Data's, <laughs> Data's hotel, hotel room. room. <laughs> it's like Thanks, a Star piece of fan fiction. Yeah. That they were that they, they filmed that it. they then wrote and filmed. Yeah, uh, to look up for some made up letter, and then he shows him Data's engine, and then he starts trying to pitch uh, Mark Twain his life story. Even though, <laughs> as he explains it, we realize he hasn't done any of the Jack London stuff yet. Yeah, uh, but Mark Twain tells the bellboy, Jack London, that he should probably write his own story. Uh, he starts talking about how he wants to go to sea and go see Alaska and whatever other fucking novels he's going to go on to write because it turns out that the bellboy was Jack London all along. <laughs> the bellboy Jack London? And now that he's said his name, he leaves the episode forever. <laughs> he really does very obviously go, the name's London. Jack London. Yeah, and I then... guess he fucking goes to Alaska immediately because he's out. That, yeah. Uh, that's a wrap on Jack London, everybody. It's, I mean, boy. Yeah, we'll we introduced this character of this other reporter, so now we don't need Jack London anymore. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, Mark Twain hustles him out of Data's room and starts poking at his gizmo, and he grabs a piece to take as evidence, presumably. Hmm. But then he has to hide in the closet because Data and Guinan show up. Sure. Yeah, she, Data and Guinan show up at the hotel room where Mark Twain is hiding and Jack London right. has just left. They passed Jack London in the hall, and he probably, I guess he didn't say, oh, Mark Twain's waiting for you. No, he didn't say uh, that. Let him what he probably said was, it's been great knowing you, uh, Mr. Data. I'm uh, off to Alaska. But you'll hear of me. The, the name's London. Jack London. I've always wanted a wolf dog. That's right. Um, Data and Guinan come in. She's been looking for the cavern from the first episode, and she's found it. It's an old mining shaft from the, I don't know, 1850s. And it's yeah. under the army base at the Presidio. 
And, of course, that's off limits. But Data is confident that Guinan can fucking smooth talk her way in there. Yeah, I don't know why he thinks that, but sure, he does think that. Yeah, yeah she'll be able to talk her way under an army base. That's He's what seen celebrities her do. fucking verbal karate people into realizing <laughs> that they like their job 50 or 60 times, so... <laughs> He's pretty confident about this. So she taught him how to go to, to do stand-up comedy. So you know. That's true. He has a lot of experience with her. Yeah. Um, Data notices that his transceiver assembly is missing. And without that, he's not going to be able to track time shifts. That's what he built that fucking thing for. And Guinan says, well, Mark Twain stole it, obviously. <laughs> she's on Mark Twain the whole time, man. I didn't Starting like last him. episode, she's I didn't like him before you showed up. Guy. Anyway, yeah. he's for sure it was Mark Twain. And Data says, ah, <laughs> he's going to get mega cancer. He should not be touching that thing at all. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Mark Twain hears that and drops it in the cupboard. So the mm-hmm. jig is up. Yeah. Uh, Mark Twain goes on the offensive. He starts talking about all the things he's discovered about Data and Guyton and what they've been up to. Data tries to keep up his time shift ruse. Um, and Mark Twain threatens, tells him he's going to stop him. And then I guess because he's Mark Twain, Data doesn't mm. just lay him out. Yeah. He just lets, they just let him leave. I guess they're just like, well, can't kill Mark Twain. I, I don't <laughs> History know, will record that. I don't know a lot about time travel, but I know I can't do that. If he was just some guy, I could probably kill him. Yeah, a lot of people died in San Francisco. Nobody gave a shit, but mm-hmm. oh, I guess I can't kill Mark Twain. So he just lets him go. We cut back to the caller award, and Picard has placed something in a lamp under the pretense of replacing the burners so that they'll be earthquake safe. Big laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beverly is now dressed as a nurse, and she, but she's you know she's surreptitiously scanning things with her tricorder. Yeah. Um, but Jordy and Troy don't have any pretense. They're just standing in the hospital, and no one asks any questions about it. Because uh, uh, what are you talking about? They're standing arm in arm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Their pretense is interracial couple. That everyone's going to go over very cool with go over very well in 19th century San Francisco. Um, sure enough, there are trialic waves all around the bed of a man who died the night before. And uh, one of the other patients says that guy was visited by a strange doctor and nurse and Jordy and Troy go, maybe they're still in the hospital from when they killed this guy last night. <laughs> so they go to search the hospital, which is bad luck because fucking snake cane comes in right after they leave. I know. Uh, and we discover that what Picard placed was a little alarm, and it starts going off. Mm. Crusher taps her tri- uh, tr- taps her communicator, and then goes to talk to the doctor to stall him, I guess? Mm. Until Riker and Jordy get there. Um, Riker stuns the doctor with a phaser, but it doesn't, it doesn't do much. That's alright, because Jordy's there. Well, Jordy, these two- fucking, Jordy fucking punched that guy into fucking next week again. <laughs> Jordy's laying dudes out every week now. Yep, and they get the cane, too, as these two aliens phase back out. Mm-hmm. But them phasing triggers Data's little machine. Yeah. So now he knows he knows where, where this thing is happening. Uh, another cop shows up, because I guess someone thought a phaser sounded like gunfire, which doesn't yeah, it does seem not. likely. It does not. Also, who? <laughs> None of those cholera patients got up and ran and got a cop. Someone no. passing by heard a phaser and said, that's that sounds like a gun. That's the thing. The only thing they come up with in the writer's room was uh, <laughs> someone heard gunfire, and no one said, I've heard those things on the show. They all sound like guns. Yeah. But... 
Well, anyway, this cop shows up and says a bunch of racist shit and threatens to haul everyone in, including Riker, who he doesn't think is a real cop. And so Riker has to, uh, you know, give him a little palm heel strike and uh, they get out of there with the snake cane. Yeah. As they leave the hospital, Data rolls up with a carriage (laughs) and they ride off while a bunch of whistling cops chase them on foot. It's the scene that I remember in my head all the time from this episode is Data rolling up with all of his emotion on his face in that fucking (laughs) carriage. Uh, They go to Picard's salon and they study the cane. Jordy manages to make it look like a snake briefly with a phaser, but it isn't going to open a portal for him there. And uh, while they're talking about it, Mrs. Carmichael shows up again. Data and Beverly start running lines from Midsummer Night's Dream. I don't want to see this version of the play. Yeah, Picard forces a book in her hand so she can read for the role of uh, Titania, even though she can barely fucking read. Mm-hmm. But Which I guess they are he... all they as always. Whenever they come across someone who's not as cool as the Federation, <laughs> they all fucking mug a bunch about yeah. how terrible she is at this. Um, I guess Picard figured out that she's very susceptible to flattery because he announces that they found her. She walks away. None of this matters. Yeah. Uh, Data now takes Picard to see Guinan. And for some reason, Picard is in full seduction mode when he fucking rolls in I, there. Thank you. I He played this so romantic. I have so many things to say about this. Yeah, Guinan has never seen this man. But when he fucking steps out from behind Data and he's like, no, but I know you. But fully anyway, boned. Just fucking, 100% just torqued. Full, fully torqued. Anyway, she floods it for sure. And yeah. she's probably very confused when their relationship never quite becomes what she thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all wild. I don't know why Patrick Stewart plays it that way. It's not just him, though. They play some music in the background oh, when yeah, he steps yeah. out. Like, finally, these two lovers reunited. And you're like, what? Anyway, I wrote that Picard probably got uh, worked up kissing the landlady before he came over. And that's why he's uh, <laughs> like this now. Could be. Uh, Mark Twain hears about the hospital shenanigans from his reporter friend and heads off to the Presidio. Sure enough, the team is down in the cavern. Uh, which Jordy says is like a lens that focuses the space-time distortion, mm. and that he thinks the cavern on Davidia 2 is the same. And Picard says, so if we blow up that cavern, <laughs> the invasion's over? And everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> Seems like we should blow it up. Yep. But Jordy doesn't think they can even get back to their own time with their inferior phaser energy. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, Mark Twain comes down the steps. He's got the revolver that we saw in the cave in part one. And he tells Data he's going to run them all in. But just then, Snakeso pops in. And he tries mm-hmm. to wrestle the cane away from Data. And um, Data wins, but the cane activates and the explosion blows his whole fucking head off. Yeah. But the portal opens. And his uh-huh. body falls backwards through it. <laughs> um, when his body <laughs> fell through the portal, I just laughed out loud. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. His head flew off, but his body fell perfectly through the portal. Uh Uh-huh. That's how explosions work. Yeah. Uh, Snake Man (laughs) steps through the portal. Picard sends the whole team chasing after him. But Guinan is hurt. And uh, while Picard is trying to see if she's okay, Mark Twain runs through the portal, and it closes behind him. Uh, Picard just watches him go. Yeah. Picard just meekly watches him and goes, no. No. I fucked it now. Mark Twain in space. Okay. (laughs) Okay, cool. Uh, on the other side Riker, Troy, Crusher, Jordy and old Mark Twain gather themselves up Riker's mad at Mark Twain for changing the timeline because he's not <laughs> smart anymore 
You're not supposed to be here. <laughs> That's a great sentence. <laughs> Franker's mad at Mark Twain <laughs> for changing the timeline. <laughs> yeah. Well, that happens in this episode. Thank you, Star Trek. You did it again. Uh, yeah, he's not smart anymore, but he is angry. Yeah. Uh, Data's, they find Data's body, and they all beam up with it. Mark Twain thinks Worf is a werewolf, but lets it go pretty quick. Right. Jordy wants to try and reattach Data's old head from part one to his current body. So he has the body taken to engineering. Troy volunteers to be Mark Twain's escort, and he's For all obvious in, reasons. Especially when the first thing she says is, let me go change into something more comfortable. Yeah, apparently she did change on the way. Probably in front of him Ferris Bueller style, is my imagination. 100%. That don't mean nothing to her, she's from Beta Z. Uh, back in the cave, Guinan is not doing well from unspecified injuries that we. I was going to say uh, the whole time, just like in previous times I've viewed this episode, I went, "How oh, she get hurt? Did I miss something? <laughs> did someone's did Mark Twain's revolver go off or something?" No, like, she basically she took hurt? a hard fall. Okay. Uh, and we don't know what her injuries are, but she's not doing great. Yeah. <sighs> but it's okay because Picard's there to fucking eye fuck her like crazy. Yeah. She's very impressed that Picard stayed behind, and he tells her that they will become far more than friends, but then he doesn't do anything about it in a way that must be confusing to her. (laughs) I mean, she looks confused. I think Whoopi does a good job. She looks confused the whole time. Yeah. Uh... And but he, they know that when they meet again, she's not going to be able to tell him about all this for time travel reasons. Mm-hmm. It's a decent premise for a time travel rom com, but we yeah. know it does not pay dividends in TNG, and that this no. is kind of the most we will ever know about their relationship. This is this, crazy. That this is the most we'll ever know because I still know nothing. Exactly, that's the problem. Is that they make a they really make a big deal of it, and then, yep. but also we still don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. Um. They look at Data's head, and then we cut to Riker asking Guinan, what happened in the cave? What should I do? And she's not going to tell him. He's nah, he's so mad, mad about it. He's so mad. <laughs> he gets the whole back half of this episode is Riker being mad at people. He's mad every time he has to make decisions and be in command. Mm-hmm. He hates it. It turns out he doesn't want to be a ship's captain at all. Uh, Mark Twain's running his mouth about cigars and accusing the Federation of Space Imperialism, etc., but Troy tells him not to worry. Gene got it all worked out and things are better now. Mm-hmm. That's enough. That's enough for uh, for old Sammy Clem. Yeah, the writers of this episode have Mark Twain say a bunch of stuff about how shitty his time is so that she could say not no more and shut his mouth. Mm-hmm. They get to Data's fancy lab, which we learn is down on deck 36. Oh, shit. Okay. But um, Way down in the reaches. Yeah. <laughs> Jordy can't get the old head to work anymore. And, um... Now we cut back to the cave. Snake Man's nurse is not doing well either, but she comes too so that Picard could come over and threaten her. Yes. And tell her he's going to destroy her cavern. And she (laughs) says, Your weapons will amplify the time distortion. Your own world will be annihilated. And then she fucking phases out, presumably dead. Yeah. It was a cool last conversation. Uh, It's just to give us peril because we know Riker is, well... It's always pretty shooty. Riker wants to go back to the past to get Picard. Because, again, he don't understand time travel. (laughs) He thinks he's on a fucking clock. Yeah. He doesn't know that he can go back to the moment when the portal closed. 
by any of a dozen other methods. Yeah. He only knows about the portal. Yeah. (laughs) He wants to go back through the portal. He doesn't care that no one knows how to open the portal with phasers. He's willing to take the risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not the only one who's willing. Uh, no, in this time, in this one, he is. Oh, okay. Uh, because Worf pipes up and says, you know what? Our priority should be to stop the alien incursions. Picard would want us to just blow up the cavern immediately. Oh, yeah. It's five minutes later when someone else is also willing. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Worf, uh, Worf fucking puts Riker in his place in this scene. Worf's like, we gotta, we gotta blow up the thing. And Troy's like, you know he's right. <laughs> um, Jordy still can't get Data to reboot. The computer tells him there's a bad contact in the input polarizers, and Jordy pulls out an iron filing, and that sends us back to the past so we can see Picard pick up Data's head and start poking around in it with a nail. What was the point of that again? Oh, because he, po- he he gives him a message. He has to it. get a message, and we'll get to that in a minute. Sorry. Um, because me time has been running. Worf is ready to ice the whole cavern in a minute, which we now know will destroy Earth. Yeah. Um, but at this point minute jordy gets data up and running so he can say torpedoes phasing alien and then says oh hang on i got it i'm processing a message from picard don't shoot that don't shoot the aliens <laughs> then he puts turns his out, uniform turns out, man everyone knows so much about data's fucking head picard was just fucking dicking around in a dark cavern and was able to get that message across. with an old nail he found uh-huh. in data's brain <laughs> oh yeah well Data says, don't shoot the aliens. And then he goes and puts his uniform on. And then he goes to the bridge. Yeah. To tell Riker that the phase differential in the photon torpedoes is wrong. It's got to be modified. And that's going to take a couple hours. So now Riker thinks they can go back for Picard. Yeah, he's got his his distraction or whatever. And also in the meantime, Beverly has figured out we can use a phaser to get the fucking rift open. But you'll only be able to send one person through. So whoever goes back, they got to stay back there. And here comes Mark Twain to volunteer. Yeah, there you go. It's all it's, Everything's going to be made right. He uh, thanks Data for starting him out on a great adventure and putting an end to his pessimism. Uh, then uh, we're back in the cavern. Mark Twain comes running in out of breath with the cane, put him down on Market Street. And I guess the delay has been noticed up on the ship, too, because, again, no one knows how time travel works. They think... We can't wait any longer for Picard. If Mark Twain made it back to the past, Picard would be here by now. So, a couple of things. I'm going to have to tell Starfleet we killed Mark Twain trying to send it back in time. (laughs) Number one. That sucks. That's a tough start. Number two, I'm going to have to tell him we stranded Picard in the past. (laughs) I'm going to say, look, I got good news and bad news. (laughs) And the good news is either going to be Picard is stranded in the past or Mark Twain died on the way back to the past. Yeah. Mark Twain was here and we killed him. <laughs> um, but it's, of course, this is just to put a, to start the torpedo clock again. Sure. Uh, they start a five minute countdown. Meanwhile, back in the cave, Mark Twain tells Picard the frequency to get him home. He's written it on his hand. Uh, which means there's a scene on the Enterprise where he asks if anyone has a ballpoint pen. Yeah. Or whatever. Yes. He wouldn't know about ballpoints, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, does anyone pen. have a pen? Uh, Riker, uh, sorry. They say goodbye. Then Picard says goodbye to Guinan. Then he shoots the cane. Riker has Worf fire the photons because there's a big surge in trialic activity. And Picard drops, uh, into the portal right as they start exploding. Drops into that cave. You can hear them exploding all around. 
Riker calls for O'Brien, who has not been in this episode, and nope. is not in this episode, to right. get him out of there. And O'Brien doesn't answer, but <laughs> I guess he does the job because Picard's home safe. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Picard goes to talk was to... Was there him. a scene with, with Colum? No, he's not in it. Because this is season he six, He was though. shooting Emissary. Yeah. I'd like to think that Riker just forgot O'Brien transferred. And just O'Brien, get him out of there. He screams. And I'm like, O'Brien? And, <laughs> but then they like... don't... Colm's voice does not then say, I'm got, I've got him, Commander. No, there's no no one from the transporter room responds. Picard responds. But... Whoever's down there was briefly very confused. And they went, I should just do my job anyway, even though he did not call me the right I name. guess I should get Picard out of there anyway. Not that I won't have yeah. to talk to Riker as much. Yeah. Uh, Picard goes to talk to Guinan. Uh, I guess. At least he walks into the room. We don't see them say anything to each other. No, just some romantic music. Yeah. Uh, and Mark Twain decides to leave his watch behind so that it can be found along with Data's old head, which he doesn't kick or say anything to or anything. <laughs> it's just laying there in the dirt. He has some guys hauling Guinan out. No one sees that big yellow head. I nope. don't understand it. Nope. Oh, Matthew, what's this one about? Fuck. Hey man, this episode was so bad that it was very entertaining. It's this is a really one of the all-time worst episodes. It was a it was a Mr. Toad's wild ride for sure. It's a, it's a nightmare of an episode and I liked it very much. Um I my take the future might turn out okay after all. Yeah. Uh there's nothing about uh, the supposed A plot that is about anything. No, everything uh, that happens aliens, in this episode happens in the five minutes Mark Twain is in the future. Yeah, these aliens want to eat us. They are bad. Yep. That, that's that That's that plot. I could only glean any kind of message other than fate is real and it is powerful. Uh, from the look at two different times, all the sick dying people, the suspicion and subterfuge of the 1800s, Troy's glowing description of the future, which Samuel Clemens seemed to believe completely within a few minutes. Uh, it's certainly optimistic. It's very Gene. It's not the worst thing ever. It's just such an unearned take from this public latrine of an episode. Um, so I gave it a three. Uh, I agree completely. I gave it a three also. If this story is about anything, it's that the future can still be good and not to get too cynical about it, like old Mark Twain. (laughs) Even though that's a five-minute conversation uh-huh. in a two-part episode. Uh-huh. And, of course, it undercuts that message a little when Riker wipes out a group of starving refugees. <laughs> but since when has Star Trek ever been consistently good with its messaging? Yep. Um, still doesn't tell us how to make the future better. No. Just that it can, like you said, it can be better. Yep. Don't worry. So. I, it's almost like saying, don't worry, it'll work out. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. so it's a three for me, and they're fucking lucky that Mark Twain had that speech about imperialism. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, people say that the future is great and everything. And and then I guess that Troy said, yeah, no, that's really what it's like. And then he went, hmm, well, I can't see nice, 50% of your breasts, so... <laughs> I guess it's I'm going to take, take this at face value. Yeah. Yeah, no, otherwise this episode is just the same cynical take we have every week about how you can't trust a refugee. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. otherwise it's just, like you said, just every episode of Voyager. Yeah. Uh, cutting over to world build, uh, to um, execution. Execution, yeah. Uh, I mean, they had to work hard to get out of the mess part one made for them. Yeah. But this is not 
high art. No. <laughs> um, we never really learn anything about the aliens. They seem no. to be able to travel through time even without their snake. Yeah. Even when Jordy or Picard has the snake, they can still zap in and out, so I don't know what the fucking snake is for. Exactly. Though they, they though need to have they something do. that the Enterprise can use, and yeah, that's they, why the snake is there. The aliens can time travel without the snake, but it does seem like that the uh, Starfleet guys use the snake to time travel, so it's like both things are true. Like yeah. The snake is for time traveling, but also, you don't really need it if you're the aliens. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's confusing. But they have it. They it's do carry snake. it around. <laughs> Maybe if they get like a migraine, they can't do it. And then the snake is there. Um, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe that guy was just like he really was. He felt very sick after those he, couple of jumps. That's, that's why right. he was so feeble trying to wrestle that cane away from Data. He didn't also <laughs> probably didn't know Data was mega strong. He didn't know he was possessed of mega strength for sure. Uh, he got laid out, like you said. He got laid out by Jordy. So what chance did he have getting Jordy this fucking, fucking messed him up? He's lucky like he it was... exploded and blew off Data's whole head. That dude got messed up by Jordy like he was a Romulan who got inserted into this episode for three <laughs> seconds for an artificial chase sequence that nets now, to them be a fair, weapon. Jordy hit that guy like a middle linebacker. I mean, Jordy, again, I say he hit him like Gwyneth Paltrow out on the slopes, man. He just <laughs> well, yeah. fucking destroyed that guy. <laughs> um, Mark Twain talks a lot of real shit about the peaceful propaganda of military conquerors, but then he backs down as soon as a woman in a low-cut jumpsuit tells him everything's okay now. Yeah, man, he ain't nothing. We know. Guy knew last week, man. Riker and Worf can't wait to blow up this cave, even if it means leaving Picard behind and keeping Mark Twain in the future. (laughs) And instead of showing us really anything about Picard and Guy's relationship, the writers just tell us it's special. And we see five seconds of the two of them looking at each other wordlessly at the end. It's kind of crazy that they had an opportunity to finally explain what their relationship is and specifically said no. No, let's not. No. Uh, oh, and this week Picard knows how to manually enter a binary message into the back of Data's brain for plot reasons. Yeah. So, not art. I have it as a three, and I would accept a two. Oh, well then, it's your lucky day, because I gave it a two. Oof. I said, well, hmm, I'm trying to start with something good. Samuel Clemens had some fun moments. Yep. I was intrigued by the romantic tension between Guinan and Picard. He just, Patrick Stewart has it, he turns it up to 11 for that scene. I got a little horny, honestly, at home, and I didn't know why. Oh, you mean when you stepped out and he had, that, with that voice and that attitude, you're like, that nah, would have worked on me. I'm like, well, I don't know who your friend is, but I'm, <laughs> I'm suddenly interested. <laughs> yeah, and Jordy was clutch as always. Jordy's a good Jordy episode, so, you know. Those were good things. Otherwise, this was rough. None of it made any sense, and I think they might have did a genocide. Yeah. Riker combed his hair like he was from the 1800s. Who taught him to do that? How long were they there that they taught him to comb his hair like that? Long enough that the woman expected that the rent would be paid on Wednesday and waited another 24 hours when it wasn't and came Uh to talk to them. There was a scene where Data rolled up in a stagecoach. Ah. None of what I saw looked anything like San Francisco of any era. Also, By I the think way, they, they did, did a genocide. Film this episode in the same sets as they filmed Part One. They filmed yeah, what it on, a surprise. Instead of instead of a historic L.A. neighborhood, like an L.A. historical landmark, where they filmed Part One, in this mm-hmm. one they just filmed it in uh, Paramount's New York City Back a set. Lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, I think they did a genocide. I know I already said that, but I'm I'm not clear. I think they did a genocide. It just goes uh, completely uninvestigated. 
And but like, all well, of here's that why framing, I think that all of that framing for part one with those aliens sitting around in that damp cave mm-hmm. eating energy that two people were shuttling back and forth to the past <laughs> to get sure made it seem like this was the last of a dying race. Well, also, dying. here's why I will say this, and this is really my biggest problem with this episode. The aliens do a very bad job of explaining why they can only eat humans, uh-huh. but they say they can only eat humans. Uh-huh. Yeah, they have to have Picard do a thing where he says, we can find another energy source, that she says, it's impossible. So, so that everyone can blow these guys up with a clean conscience. Yeah, so anyway, I'll get to that later, because I've got lots of problems with that statement, but like, so if they're not allowed to eat humans anymore, that's it for them then, right? Like, even if there are other ones who aren't in that cave, like, unless they still time traveling somewhere else in time and eating humans, that's it. If that was their human hookup, then they're done. They're just eating cavemen now. And as far as I know, those were the only aliens, so I don't fucking know, but I think they did a genocide. Um, Samuel Clemens and Jack London both came off as absolute trash. It's like they said, it, I we always looked back at them and said, oh, it was an episode about someone, like, written by someone who really loved uh, Jack London and uh, Samuel Clemens and that whole time. But no, both those guys are oh, jerks. Yeah, it's pretty So it's someone who actually had a, a, fucking, a fucking axe to grind about those two, uh, those two writers. Uh, Guinan's role in this was, what exactly? How did she help Data in the 1800s? She helped him find that mine shaft. Why couldn't he find the mine shaft? I don't know, man, but he'd been going to the assayer's office for three weeks, it turns out. What? I couldn't understand. Because she's a celebrity? Yeah, I guess. Are celebrities better at finding mine shafts? I'm so confused by what she was supposed to be doing. It does ask us to imagine a world in which Guinan is still throwing a bunch of fancy parties, but when people show up, she's like, listen, I'm looking for a cave. I'm looking for a very specific dank mine shaft. somewhere around here. Do you guys have any caves? Which caves in San Francisco do you know about? Hey, any of y'all know about any disused mine shafts? So people think she's trying to get rid of a body, probably. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> anyway, she pals around with Data, and then she has romantic tension with Picard, and she ends up getting hurt in that mine shaft. But I didn't understand what was happening. Uh, it was an absolute mess of an episode. I gave it a two because I was intrigued by some things in it, but it was it was. I mean, it's as bad as you can execute an episode, really. Did you think they did a lot of good world building? Ah, uh, well, here we go. The Davidians claim the only food they can eat is human energies. So how did those little boys and girls get by before they met any humans? Yeah. That doesn't make a lick of sense. They should be able to eat something else. Maybe they've been eating other races. And maybe they've been eating races for so long that they can no longer eat normal food. Okay, well, eat another race. They ain't gotta be humans. Yeah, they're... This lady says only humans. Yum, 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 yum. She assumes that Picard is more advanced and progressive than he is and he would object to her eating other races too i guess <laughs> well anyway it's i mean look another part of the episode is everyone takes everything this lady says at face value for yeah. some reason that the torpedoes are gonna harm uh if they shoot the torpedoes that earth's gonna blow up which could just be something she's saying so they don't shoot the torpedoes at them uh that they can only eat humans i don't know why they'd believe that that doesn't even make sense so there's a lot of stuff that the lady says that everyone's just like well that's the truth the bad guy said it um, Worf has to do something with these torpedoes to get them ready to obliterate that that cave. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way we have a ticking clock, I understand. But what is so different that he can't just fire them in under five seconds like every other time he ever fires the torpedoes? <laughs> it's a very good question. Why initially Worf needs 
He's uh, like, I gotta have time minutes. to prepare the torpedoes. What? What do you mean? To shoot a cave? You should, you're gonna blast a cave, right? You just shoot the torpedoes at the cave. I don't know what we're talking about here. No, he wants to get them to explode in a subspacey way or something. Isn't there some shit like that? I I, I don't know. Because um, they don't specifically talk about it until Data tells them like what they have to do to make the torpedoes work good. Yeah. Um, again, was that all the Davidians? Did they do a genocide? Did they tell us? Does anyone care? No. Picard knows how to do messages in Data's brain. Everybody knows all of Data's insights intimately by season six. You know what? It all came out during Discovery during Measure of a Man. I guess so. And, and everyone's read it. Everyone's read up and they've fucking kept that shit. It was actually part of a very complicated strategy by by forcing Data to sue Starfleet, they made all of his shit available for discovery. <laughs> That's right. In fact, public. that was Maddox's whole fucking uh-huh. game. Now he can build 50 Datas tomorrow. Yep. Yep. Um, I gave it a one because everything in it was baffling. Yeah, dog, I gave it a zero, so... All right, you know what? Give it a zero for <laughs> me, too. That's what it fucking earned. It earned a fucking zero. Yeah, listen, here's what happened. Here's a little world building that happened in this episode. Picard stopped an incursion into the past. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not going to ever come up again or have any consequences. No. Yeah, agreed. It's, the world building here is that some of the people who were listed as having died of cholera didn't. Okay. Uh, yeah. What what's what's different about that? I agree. Yeah. It's a zero. Yep. I agree. In terms of characterization. Sure. Riker and Worf are kill crazy. And they can't think of any other way to get Picard back. And that's sad. No. I guess they don't teach time travel methods in Starfleet Academy because it's illegal, huh? They don't. I mean, clearly. But we say this all the time. Well, here's yet another time travel uh, method that we can put on the books that now we know how to do and is instantly repeatable because they used it again at the end of the episode to get back. We've said it so many times during this project. They've got so many ways that they could use time travel, but every single time they act like it's never been done and they don't know how to do it. Yeah. Because the writers want you to forget all the other stuff that happened. I mean, in Star Trek Four, Spock's like, well, there ain't no whales, <laughs> but I know how to go back in time. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yep. And then Kirk's like, the slingshot effect? And well, they used that in a TOS like, episode. Yeah. It it was different. In TOS, they used that once. Yes. I remember. They did a slingshot around the sun or whatever, and I went, what the fuck? I thought that was only in the movie. They did that? Yeah. That makes a continuity. And then it makes later, when they don't ever do it again, extremely hard to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Picard stays behind to look after Guinan, and that saves the day. But it's not because he's, like, merciful. He doesn't care about this nurse, for instance. That's because Guinan no. is a person that's special to him. That's right. It's not really a sacrifice. We don't really learn much about the Picard Guinan relationship. Maybe they're oh. friends because they've always been friends in a weird paradox way. That's fun. That's at the end. That's kind of it. Yeah. He saved her in eighteen hundred whatever because he already was her friend in the future. But because he was her friend in the future because she bumped into him in the future and was like, "Hey, man." Just trust me on this. We are closer than friendship and closer than family. And Picard went, all right, I guess. Can you tell me about it? No, I cannot. No, okay. You'll have to read a beta canon novel. <laughs> That's right. So, like, I think it is just a 
the friendship that time paradoxes created. Yeah. So I don't know that they did any character work in this that I liked at all. <laughs> Was there anything good? Oh, uh, well, I have lots of notes. I, we'll see if they're good. Okay, well, you give your notes, but I'm preliminarily I have given it a zero. Oh, <laughs> I've never seen any. I mean, have we seen anything not from me get a zero in the entire back half? Because I've given a zero as a whole episode, so. Uh, did I? What, well, the, what about the, the front half? I it happens. three points. Did I give? It probably got zeros it on the front, probably right? probably got zeros in the front half, yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I, we can look into that, but um, let's oh, see. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, Living Witness got entirely blanked in the back half. Oh, wow. Okay, so that has That's happened. the Holocaust Museum episode. That's the one I blanked entirely. You blanked it entirely. I gave yeah. it four for premise and one for execution. Okay. This episode has without the without your score. This episode has doubled the score of that episode. So, well, that one was deplorable. I th- I thought that one was actually a crime. So that's why I gave it zero. Um, Riker just can't get it right, man. He asks serious questions when rhetorical ones are called for, and vice versa. Yeah, he just doesn't vibe with anybody conversationally. <laughs> I feel bad for him sometimes. Uh, and he just yells at everyone on the ship like a maniac when he comes back without his space papa. It's not a good Riker episode at all. I mean, the only thing he does right is he gives them that fucking Federation issue palm strike that they ain't never seen before. Uh, that's fucking baffling. You can't defend it. In the 1800s, you can't defend that. Oh, some fucking fat San Francisco cop? No chance. <laughs> nah, you just palm strike, that's, you're done. You're done now. Fucking tiger punch coming your way? Yeah, no, you weren't ready for that shit. You didn't know what he was doing. Could have been doing anything. Uh, Picard doesn't seem worried about paying his rent. Does he know how to get home? Because if not, he should probably start to worry about rent. Uh, His backup plan is to seduce this woman, and his backup (laughs) backup plan is to murder her. So (laughs) he ain't from here, and it don't matter. Uh, here's where I say Pat Stu seems to play this stuff with Guinan with romance and the music agrees does Picard have a thing for Guinan but he can only show it in the past for some reason it's very weird he can't tell current Guinan but he can tell Guinan from 500 years ago seriously what was happening what here? if there was one episode we'll have to check with uh, Yerk about this oh by the way there is one other time this happened in the big goodbye oh yeah in the big goodbye, they play romance themes behind them. Yeah. And I think at the time we were like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> what if there's one episode where you just see one of her hats on the floor of his quarters? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> we like, would need Oh, York. they've been banging. We need your We just research. never showed us or talked about it. <laughs> That'd be such careful planning by the show's creators. You can never <laughs> count on that. <laughs> just have one of those hats popping out from behind something. Or just half under his bed. Uh, Guinan of the past knew Mark Twain was a fucking shit stain, suspects him of every crime being done in San Francisco. She probably thought he was killing all the cholera people. <laughs> probably. She's probably there to investigate him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why she Tell came to Earth. Tell my dad I'm finished investigating Mark Twain. <laughs> For all of the crimes of the cosmos. <laughs> hey, did an alien go from planet to planet killing people, telling them that it was Mark Twain? <laughs> probably. It was Re- he was Red Jack all along. Was, Red Jack was Mark Twain. Um. Once again, Jordy beats a dude's ass. Just fucking decks him straight through the ground, like in that turn down for what video. 
after they transport back, Jordy takes no beats at all, just goes, yeah, no, no, we got an old head we can use. This is easy. I got this. Yeah, he would have thought of that earlier if he, but he assumed they wouldn't have Data's body. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he thought happened to Data's body. It's an interesting question. We found Data's head. All right, where's his body? Yeah, no, yeah no, whoever no killed him to. took it, I guess. Just <laughs> snuck away with a hundred kilograms of Data's body. Whoever took him looked at his huge, heavy body and his <laughs> tiny, important head and said, "The body's what I need. <laughs> the body's where the muscles are. I need the robot muscles." Uh, anyway, Jordy's killing it these days. He's just uh, flawless, Jordy, in this episode. Um, Worf finds his courage and shouts down Riker in that conference room. He's just like, listen, buddy, I ain't got to respect you. You're not Picard. Uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, your plan is dumb. I got a better plan. And he looks at Troy and Troy goes, fucking better plan. Also, Uh, that's when she starts thinking about Worf. That's right. That's when it's been. (laughs) It's going to be a minute before he catches on. That's right. He was very manly in that room, for sure. Uh... The first part of the show, last week's episode, was all about the adventures of Data, but thankfully, he's kind of not in this one very much. <laughs> no, he's really not. It was very nice not to see him in this part uh, much at all. Um, keep this a zero, huh? I did, yeah, so... I, I give it a four. A four, okay. Well, we knew from the initial scores you were uh, quite, quite a ways in front of me this week. Yeah. Uh, all right. Quick ones. Yeah. Jack London's a turd, huh? Yeah. Just lets anybody come in and fuck with other guests' shit. Fuck that little messy toilet. <laughs> I hope he dies in Alaska. Did he die in Alaska? I don't Question. know. I don't know anything about him that's not in this episode. Yeah, me either. <laughs> that's why Hotel Brian didn't mean nothing to me, man. Um, and that, uh, when he goes, remember, it's London. Jack London. Shit was bad, like a parody of sci-fi bad. Like, that's what you would do as a skit about how bad sci-fi is. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, that was out of the episode. Yep. Uh, when the doctor leaves the room, Jordy has... The, the, the doctor that they... Um, the guy who actually is in the hospital, the not not fake Doctor Crusher or whatever, the, yeah, he the like guy goes off to do whatever. Much more concerned about the administ- the hotel administrators than he is about the patients, right? Yeah, that guy leaves the room. Jordy has clearly just put on his visor again, but the camera doesn't actually catch it, so it seems like he might just have been wearing the visor the whole time <laughs> the guy was there. <laughs> The only reason you can even tell that he just put it on is because you can see his hand retreat back down to his pocket or whatever. But he might have just been covering it with his hand. <laughs> Maybe he just had his hand in front of his eyes the whole time. Oh, my, I'm rubbing my eyes. They're so tired. <laughs> what do you mean, why are the two sides of my face blinking? I just thought By the way, such... which is a risk if he takes off his visor, is that he's got two fucking LEDs yeah. sticking out of his head. When he first took it off last week, or, or at the beginning of this episode or whatever, he, you could see the two blinkies, and I was like, well, what the fuck's he going to do about that? And then he just puts on some shades, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if that's going to hide those <laughs> I blinkies. think I would have noticed the first time that light blinked. I've never like, seen that happen before Do in they have to blink constantly? It's really not going to help you stay uh, under wraps on this. Does they blink because they're blinking, hey, put on the visor? Yeah. Do they blink as if to say to someone who's passing by, this guy needs his visor? Why do they blink? He can't see the blink. What use is the blinking? He ain't looking in the mirror watching him blink. He blind, man. I'm trying to figure out what the point of the blinking is. Yeah, there is no point. 
Yeah. It's a good it's a good question. Just to just to get you all caught if you're trying to be in a place where they don't know about visors. Um anyway, I just thought it was bad camera work. They just totally missed him putting his visor back on, so it was confusing. Um <clears throat> did that guy take the cane from Jordy and say it was a gentleman's cane because Jordy is a colored? Only way I could interpret I, that. I thought that's what it was. Oh, I mean, it could, see it, that. could it be about are Jordy's clothes working man's clothes in the 1890s? No, he was wearing he's in a, a suit, but he's it in is, a decent suit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he takes it right out of his hand. And then, gentleman's cane. It's like, ooh. Ooh. Uh, Guinan looks at Data's severed head and goes, what's that? <laughs> lady. <laughs> Hold on. Lady, you've been palling around with this guy for like a week. You don't recognize his entire head? His face is still on it. He's looking right at you with a lifeless fucking expression. What do you mean, what's that? Uh, what if she said, I mean, it kind of looks like Data, but it also kind of doesn't? It also looks like maybe a bad studio recreation. It looks like of someone Data? Did, took a casting of his face and then did it. But, like, it doesn't, it <laughs> like doesn't look like it could move. <laughs> but I couldn't believe it. What's that? <laughs> she must have been pretty messed up by that uh, ambiguous injury she had. Um, again, did Troy stop to change her outfit during her walk with Sammy Clem? And when she did, did she know he's a professional prowler? That's a good question. I don't think I had time to tell her that. (laughs) He definitely saw all the bits, for sure. You know, he was fucking, he fucking schmeagled his way in there and was like, (laughs) her feet oily. (laughs) Just permanently. The future. Sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did that laugh at the bullion. <laughs> yes, he did a lot of. He did. This guy did a lot of noise acting. I'm not gonna lie. I gave him best actor candidate for that fucking laugh he gives the bullion that he passes in the hallway. He, does, he stops halfway good. through his fucking sentence and turns around and watches him go and just goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we've always the, loved a werewolf. He gives the bullion a much bigger reaction than the werewolf, which he is pretty okay with right away. Werewolf? I know he says nothing else. Yeah, that actually sounds pretty rude. uh, He's wearing the same uniform. It's clearly a person of some type. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's it for me. Yeah. Um. Fuck, dude. Spiner's getting thin on top. No more fully lit outdoor scenes for this guy. The he did opening mean, scene when he's walking down the street, I'm like, oops, bald spot. Yep, he was walking down the street, and it starts to pan away from him because someone's fucking passing him. The snake people are passing him or whatever, and you see him walk off in the background, and you go, oh, that doesn't look so good. <laughs> no one told him, though. <laughs> he didn't know about that yet. He didn't, they didn't show him that. Uh, I, know, him I couldn't that see this on my 13-inch black and white TV in my bedroom <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah. But I see it now. <laughs> Is it interesting how these guys got these clothes and how they got into this uh, boarding house? Did they burn their uniforms that they wore through the portal? Yeah, where are those buried? What's going on? Was everyone like, five Frenchmen? It's five Frenchmen. <laughs> um, Matt, when the producers were casting for that 70s show. Oh, right. Okay. Do you think they had like pictures of this Mrs. Carmichael character to reference for Kitty? Or is that a coincidence? <laughs> yeah, I think that's... Uh, yeah, that, but you're not lying, though. There is, there is some similarity. <laughs> well, they almost got the era exactly right. 
uh, Wisconsin in the 70s, uh, San Francisco in the 19th century. I mean, Wisconsin was probably always a little bit behind San Francisco. That's what I mean. Uh, Why does Guinan feel like she has to put on this half of an accent? It is distracting. Uh, I didn't like it. I didn't know what it was. Well, it's almost like the scene she puts on when she's... um, when she's uh, saying all that, when she's talking all that shit to Q when he becomes a human. I think she's trying to sound uh, grand and mm. important. Yeah, maybe. Guess a black man can't even own a cane in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Land of the free my ass. Well, this is further proof to the to the obvious takeaway of the episode about how great the future's going to be. See how think bad things were in, in Sammy Clem's time? They don't do that to you. They let you keep your cane. In the future. When Data shows up with this coach, he's being chased by three cops with whistles. Yeah. They were chasing him, right? It wasn't that that other cop woke up and somehow found three beat cops in ten seconds. I, the, it is not explained at all. They, I, I thought they were chasing Riker for beating up that cop. Like, maybe uh, they walked into the room after like maybe they were with the other cop but they didn't go into the room right away and they came in and found them all knocked out and then and then ran after whoever because why would they be chasing data for being french i don't know oh well he doesn't own a uh, carriage oh well that's true we don't know how he i assumed it was because he pulled a dude off of the carriage gta style and said i need this (laughs) data's very strong he could easily pull a guy out of a carriage like that now i know these aliens are murderers uh-huh. But everything we've seen so far screams desperate and incompetent. Yeah. This guy very meekly popping in to try to recover his cane. Yeah, it's not good. He needs that cane for reasons. Also, everyone on our crew has seen these depression caves. Yeah. But I'm guessing yeah. no one is even going to ask whether torpedoing the cavern is the right thing to do. And guess what? They don't. Nope. Only the part about not being able to save Picard. Look, this is a dumb show. Yes. But I do like uh, We've Mark. covered it. We've done many hundreds of hours about it. <laughs> yeah, but I do like Mark Twain asking if they've ever run into Haley's Comet. <laughs> he thought that was the best joke. That's why that joke works, is because the character Samuel Clemens thought that was a fucking great joke. A starship. Do you ever run into Haley's Comet? <laughs> and then he laughs his ass off like that was perfect. <laughs> he gave himself no notes on that joke. That really worked for me. Yep. <laughs> Um, I guess they must have cut about five minutes of Mark Twain ooing and aahing at Troy's jumpsuit, because that has to be the nastiest shit he's ever seen. Oh, man, that is straight pornography. You kidding me? We're walking around in that thing? Uh, did you recognize the reporter? I did not. That is Torek slash Vorik. Oh, no, I did not recognize him at all. No. Uh, No, if he's not wearing that bowl cut, man, I don't know who he is. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, best actor candidate uh, for me, it's Seduction Picard, but I could see Mark Twain. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Picard is de- like, if what they're really going for is just horny to the max, then he did a great job. He fucking pulled. I him. just couldn't yeah. understand it. Uh, I gave worst reporter to uh, worst actor to Kid Reporter Vorik. I didn't think. No. He, uh, I didn't think there was anything. Also, I don't know what that reporter was doing at the end. He's like, so this is a sequel, right? And he's like, no, I've uh, been fucking telling you. This shit's 100% real. Are you not listening? Actual aliens. I said 100 times that this is very real. 
That's also why I insist you refer to me as Samuel Clemens instead of Mark Twain. Yeah, because this is this a serious a, business. This, it's not a book. I'm uh, I'm gonna go and investigate now. Now please remember that this is real. The guy's like, this is gonna be a great book. Well, that's it. Oh, thank fucking God. That's it. We did it. Another. <laughs> I know I technically gave one of these episodes points, but uh, overall, my feeling about this week was uh, the same as it's been uh, the previous 125 weeks, and that's pretty bad. You did. did you gave uh, Deep Space Nine 21, and uh, when you told me you had a 21, and I was looking at mm. what I had so far, and knowing that only Voyager was left, I was like, oh no. And then when I watched Voyager, I was like, oh, God. Now I have no idea what he's given 21. I hope it's not well, you Time had, Zero Part 2. <laughs> you had reason to suspect that it wasn't DS9, because when I had talked to you about it, I still hadn't come up with a take for it. Yes, I had said DS9's so a I, real mess I definitely, this week, and when you watch it, you're like, oh, man, I see exactly what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it, why, so at that point, you definitely had reason to believe that it was not DS9 that got the 21. But I eventually did come up with a take. That's half the battle, man. I mean, it is half the battle most weeks. Um, yeah, so the winner is going to be Deep Space Nine. They're going to get up to 45 wins here. Uh, back to six back of TNG. Yep, after, after TNG stole one last week. <laughs> they sure did. Just a real shit week. Uh, Voyager put up 26 points this week. Uh, same as in that. Riddles. It's, yeah, been, uh, it's been seven or eight weeks since they scored higher than that. But survival Instinct, whatever that was, got 27. I wouldn't describe 26 as good. It's not good for this project. It's better for Voyager, but it's still pretty mediocre. Yeah. Time Zero Part 2, obviously, in last place with 14 points. It's got to be one of the worst TNGs, for sure. Yeah, we can look it up. It's um, It ain't going to be good, but uh, no. let me just sort by rank and then filter to TNG. And, uh, yeah, it's the oh, worst. It's the worst. It's the all-time worst. It's the all-time <laughs> worst. So, in theory and power play, both scored 15. The worst TNG, uh, which is uh, apparently worse than uh, 520 of the 554 episodes we've done. Yeah. Um, It's bad. I mean, it is bad. I can't deny that. Uh, I, it felt like a, a worst a worst episode candidate. For if sure. I unfilter, though, you will see. Oh yeah, there's plenty that have scored worse than fourteen. That we have scored. Um, I mean, there's Cat's Paw, for instance. Yeah, we've scored twenty nine episodes worse. Mm, look, there's a lot of Voy. There's a lot of Voy in these. Yeah, a lot of Voyager episodes <clears throat> down down in this bottom end. Um, you know. Like six of the bottom eight are Voyager. No, seven of the bottom nine, something like that. Yeah, but there's also the Omega Glory. <laughs> yep, and Bound. Um, you know, we had two two of those are, just happen to be Voyagers because they are later weeks. But there's a there's a Deep Space Nine and an Enterprise Ten also. So those are just yeah. as bad as as the other ones. But yeah, it ain't great. Yep. <sighs> but. Even in a week when they scored 26, which is, you know, in the 300s in terms of ranking. Right. They got beat by Deep Space Nine. Yeah. 26, you shouldn't count on a win. You would have got one last week, but. All right. 
Next time we get together, we're going to talk about week 127. We are firmly in season six now because the next yes. TNG is no longer a cliffhanger carryover. Oh, so it's uh, already filler season. Yeah, it's filler season. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, the next generation episode we're going to watch is Realm of Fear. Well, now. That's transporter kind of our, psychosis. Our old man Reginald Barkley. It introduces the concept of transporter psychosis and shows mm-hmm. us what a person is experiencing during transport. Mm, all going to be so good stuff. I assume could be big for world building. Uh huh. The Deep Space Nine episode, part five of the six-part arc, favor the bold. Yep, war. Some war stuff. More war, war stuff. The uh, you know maybe I'm that sure minefield the... stuff is going to come into play. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, a What's going to happen now. with Kira's resistance? So. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. And yes, 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 yes. I will Judah. be describing <laughs> the Voyager episode, the Voyager conspiracy. Thank God. In which, according to the teaser uh, image, Voyager discovers a conspiracy to keep them trapped in the Delta Quadrant? Question mark. Nice. I like it. I like that a lot. It's probably just data lying on behalf of some aliens, right? <laughs> Could Something be like that. But they don't figure out any of the clues. There's no dog to help Tuvok figure it out. (laughs) Those are the episodes you should watch. I mean, you shouldn't. Definitely don't do it. I mean, at this point, literally no one is. Yeah, I know. It's uh, just us. But there are people who have seen the episodes, like our new listener, uh, Matthew from New York. Matt from New York. Yep. Hey, uh, Matt or Matthew from New York. I can't remember how you like to be called. Um, Don't watch those episodes again. (laughs) If you want to listen to the podcast, that's fine. Hopefully you remember the episodes. You don't need to watch them. You don't need to watch Take it Realm. from me, You don't man. need to watch Realm of Fear. Take it you from don't need me. to see him hug that worm. <laughs> take, it, take it from me looking at my clock over here at, say, 11.42 p.m. and just going, don't do it, man. <laughs> it's just not worth it. <laughs> uh, and so, again, we are still on Twitter. Twitter continues to exist. No one feels good about it, but there it is. So send us a tweet. That's uh, at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. Uh, Mastodon. Brother Date at TenForward.Social. It works. It's some, somehow it works. I don't claim to understand it. I think it's magic. But you can do things on Mastodon. Um, <clears throat> email. Uh, brothers email. at BrotherDate.com. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we also have the website, BrotherDate.com. I went on that today. Just I, so you know. I went on it during this recording to see if I, we had done uh, Blue Jays and Cardinals as one of the songs in our magnetic fields. I'm sorry, Mountain go. Goats bracket. I haven't made you do a magnetic fields bracket yet. No, that's a different one. Don't worry. We're totally going to do a lot of brackets <laughs> in the future. That's just coming. Definitely <laughs> non-Star Trek content is still going to happen on this show. <laughs> um, uh, as you believe. So shall you do, so shall you do, as you believe, so, so shall, shall you, you do. do. And every night, that's the fight that I have. <laughs> it's, it's a big guy, and he's wearing a, it's on the back of his uh, robe, it says uh, advanced mathematics, and I can't beat him. <laughs> <laughs>